the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Robert Steinbeck, sort of filling in for Dave, because Dave has made it back from the bill signing, that is, of the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus bill that the governor just signed. But I'm going to start off the show with Dave, and we're going to talk about a bunch of issues here. We've got a bunch of guests. Actually, Dave has a bunch of guests that he's already arranged to bring in. Uh, We're here at the Capitol in the middle of everything that's going on. And with that point, Dave, I want to raise this question for you. Okay. Arkansas is the most conservative legislature, right? Has the most conservative legislature in the country right now. Yes, they do. And the only thing that I've seen happen so far on guns is a resolution come before the House. I'm all for that resolution. It's perfectly fine. But that is a a, a dip of the toe in the pond when it comes to guns. I don't even think it's dipping your toe in the pool to see how what the water is like. It's more of if you're dying of thirst, like most gun owners in Arkansas are, it's like somebody taking the tip of their finger dipping it in water and touching the tip of your tongue. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So where is the legislature today on guns? What are they waiting on? I don't know. Right? We need to see some action here. I've heard some legislators say, well, we think the law is clear on the issue of open slash unconcealed carry, for example. And here's my response to that. I agree with you all on your interpretation that Arkansas is an open carry state. What the problem is, and what uh, Attorney General Rutledge has pointed out herself is that there are still sheriffs uh, and local law enforcement and local prosecutors who may not agree. And as a consequence... And we've seen ones that have not agreed. Exactly. Exactly. And so, as a consequence, we still see people running afoul of the law Mm -hmm. when they are observing the law. So there's two ways to resolve this problem. One way is quite simply uh, to let people have to go it on their own. They get arrested. They get hauled down to court. They got to hire a lawyer. They got to litigate the case. They got to take it to a district court and then a circuit court and then the, 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 either the court of the court of appeals or the Supreme Court or possibly both. Now, that's a big burden to put on the shoulders of an Arkansas citizen. There's an easier alternative. You would think so. Right? Yeah. And that alternative is for the legislature to write some laws that make it unquestionably clear what the law is. Write some laws that punishes local people who don't observe the fact that we are indeed a constitutional carry, open carry, unconcealed carry state. We put the burden on the state, not on the individual. And so 
I am uh, pulling, dropping the gauntlet today on your show to ask legislators, let's get it done. Because if they don't get it done, then next week when I'm on your show with you and with Paul and the week after, that's it. I think there's no more dancing around this issue. Now, I'm not sure one would say I'm dancing now, <laughs> but I'm letting, the, I'm, I'm letting the legislature know where we are. And come next week, that's it. If I'm not seeing action, I'm going to start naming names, calling out people, because we've got to see some more action on the right, the Second Amendment right of Arkansans. And by the way, when I say that, I, of course, refer both to the U.S. Constitution and the Arkansas Constitution, and it's not the Second Amendment in the Constitution, but we use that term to cover both. Yeah. I, here's the thing, is that uh, I had heard that there were several people working on bills that they were going to file this year. I've not seen them file those bills, and I don't know exactly why I haven't seen that. Maybe there's something going on, they're going to wait to the end of the session or whatever. I, I don't know. I think that but, one of the things that kind of is keeping maybe one or two of the bills back is that there there's some resistance among Republicans to, to actually support them. And so if, if a legislator is looking to file a bill... But he can't actually find enough people to even get it out of Judiciary Committee on the House end, or it would be city, county, local, I think, on the um, Senate end. Then a lot of times I think they just won't file the bill because they don't want to waste people's time. But it's kind of shameful, I think, when we have Republicans that won't support broad um, carrying rights, whether openly or concealed. Why do we still need gun-free zones in Arkansas anywhere? Why? Unless we're talking about inside a prison. I mean, why, why are we still supporting gun-free zones? Why is it illegal for someone to walk into the Capitol carrying? Why? I, it would make everybody safer if we did. Would it not? I mean, when was the last time you heard of a, of a mass killing at a gun show? Or a Walmart, for crying out loud. It doesn't happen. Well, uh, Paul, I agree with your general sentiment, but I think we're actually... We're, we're post-gun debate, right? You know, we, we, we were talking about uh, nationally whether we're post-racial or not. And, and that's a whole separate debate, but mm-hmm. you, you recall that locution. We're post-gun debate. This is a 75% conservative Republican legislature. But are the, we? Is it really? Well, we're going to find out. It's certainly 75% Republican, Republican. and it's certainly the most conservative on paper legislature in the country right now. And so now is the time to find out, to test that medal, Mm -hmm. because we're not debating whether people have a right to carry anymore. They have a right to carry. Right. We're not debating the efficiency and the usefulness of people carrying. That has been decided already. We're debating, or at least discussing and bemoaning, why the legislature has not done anything yet on it. Yeah, and that's that's something that definitely needs to be done. I think we should be actually discussing penalties for government officials who are violating people's rights. We should be actually discussing criminal Penalties. Well, that's it. Paul. You're you're 100 right, and that. So people say, well, what law do we need? We have Act 746, which which clarified things. Well, kind of, sort of. But what we don't have is a law that makes it clear that if a if a government actor, local, 
state, whatever it may be, if a government actor violates your uh, open slash unconcealed slash Second Amendment slash the state version uh, uh, rights, that that person is criminally liable. We don't have that yet. Because we have now got to step it up. We have now got to ensure that the rights that every Republican claims to believe in in the legislature are actually enforced with teeth. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that we've we've got potential for even maybe some civil civil action available. Maybe if someone comes along and some government agent comes along and disarms you illegally. But where's the real teeth? Where's the jail time? Where's the uh, being arrested? If I take a gun from somebody illegally, I get arrested and charged with theft. Why is it any different for a government agent? And in fact, it's worse for a government agent because I can't defend myself against a government agent who does it. I can defend myself against some thug, thug walking down the street, and I won't get arrested and charged for that because I'm, it's self-defense. But if I defend myself against a government agent, I'll be murdered. Exactly. All right, so let me ask this question of you, Robert. Yes, sir. We had uh, State Representative Dan Sullivan on, and I asked him if he had heard of any other uh, gun legislation moving, and he had not. And I said, why the trepidation about this? Exactly. And uh, he said that because of the last court case that went through, and that was what? Oh, yes, right. Taft. Yeah, Taft. They said... Well, we don't want to pass something that ends up screwing that and causing problems. How would they screw it by passing something? Your guess is as good as mine. Right? That's the point. Yes, Taft was a good decision. But Taft did not lay out all of the elements that we need spelled out in the law. Moreover, of course, Taft says nothing to holding government actors that violate our gun rights criminally liable. Right. It can't. It wouldn't, right. and it can't. All, all it did was suppress the evidence in the case and basically make it so that um, you, you, it was a Fourth Amendment case is what it was, based, but, but it still had relevance because what they used as their probable cause was something that wasn't illegal. Exactly. And, 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 the, and the Court of Appeals, not the Supreme Court, by the way, the middle court. And that's what's really important. That's the most important, exactly. The Court of Appeals said, basically endorsed uh, Attorney General Rutledge's uh, um, opinion from a couple few years back now, saying that Arkansas citizens who carry guns without the intent of committing a crime are not violating the law. That's correct. And that's good. Right. And so, and so, that's, right. it, it's, so if someone's carrying a gun, that is not a reason to turn your blue lights on and pull them over. And, and exactly. harass them in any way. It's, it's about as um, uh, criminally suspicious as carrying a Bible. That's right. Okay, so That's so right. if someone's carrying a Bible or a handgun or a walking stick, that is not a reason to pull them over and treat them like a criminal or a exactly. suspect. It's not suspicious activity. It is just simply normal American good behavior. Now, if, they're hand, if they have the gun in their hand and they're waving it around at people, that's a different issue. Of but course. that's not what we're talking about in the Taft case. From I understand, the guy had it had it in his um, had it shoved down his pants. I think he was printing. He could you could see it. Whether I think the shirt came up and you could see may, it. Uh, maybe so. Uh, and so well. that, so that was from I understand that was the um, the justifiable probable cause that they used to pull the guy over, turn the blue the lights unjustified on. Unjustified probable. Un, you're right. right. That's what they what they felt right. was justified. Indeed. And so, but it was not justifiable. Right. And so then they they basically lost the case because they illegally obtained um, evidence was thrown out. 
right? Yeah. Where the stop was, was the, thrown the stop out. And was, without the stop, you can't have anything that right. they didn't, uh, they, came I assume it didn't give his drugs back to him. Yeah, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> and indeed, I know they don't, because even if you have an illegal stop, any uh, illegal contraband that is confiscated they, remains. They uh, keep it. Right, they keep it. Of course yeah. they do, right? right. Uh, and so, but that's, so but, that's the point. We've now spent uh, maybe three and a half minutes, uh, because it's a radio show, it would be three and a half hours if this were a debate, right, yeah. on the, the landscape that is the Taft case. Yes. So it ain't clear is the bottom line. The law no. is not clear enough. And here's the other thing. If it's, and I really appreciate, I forgot who, who you said was the elected official that said we don't. Dan Sullivan. Dan. Dan's a good friend of mine. I yeah. like Dan very much. Good man. I, I'm going to have to talk with Dan about this. Um, but here's the problem, that if uh, um, we uh, have that Taft case and we have a conservative legislature, they're not going to enact a law that undoes it. The numbers don't work that way. So we're not going to undo it. At worst, we're not going to pass anything new. But it's time to step up to the plate and figure out what's going on uh, with the law, make it even more clear, add penalties for those that violate our Second Amendment rights so that, so that it's established. We may not have a 75% uh, Republican legislature all times in the future. Right. So we need to lock down the good laws now. But I think one of the problems is there's a there's a big pushback for police accountability in, in, in this sort of thing. I, and I don't understand why Republicans are opposed to that. But even a lot of times Republicans are opposed to holding police accountable when they commit crimes against people. And I don't know why that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's a problem. Uh, and... And if and I, I agree with you. I think that if people, if government officials are violating private individuals' constitutional rights, they should be held to account to the greatest level available under the law. But look, if they want to, if if, if Republican legislators want to come in and say we don't want to go that far, okay, how far do you want to go? I'm not saying okay, meaning right. I'm all for it. Right. I'm just saying, but all right, what well, what do you got? Right. How far how far can we go? Yeah. How far can we go? Right. And so. I would like to see basically all the laws on firearms repealed in Arkansas, just about. Now, I realize I'm probably in the minority on that, but how far can we go? How much do we do we how much do these Republicans actually believe in the Second Amendment? Do, do we believe that at least regular modern firearms should be uh, be allowed for law abiding citizens to carry any place where they're allowed to be publicly? But why, why is it? Why do I have to worry about going into a public place where I have a right to be? And why do I have to worry about being arrested? Exactly. Why is it? I mean, why can't? Why does it have to leave my gun in the vehicle when I go to the revenue office? Why? I mean, is it? I'm just out of curiosity, and it'd be useful for the audience to know as well. Uh, in, uh, how does that? What's the interplay of that with what is that? Uh, the new concealed carry law that. That, with um, enhanced concealed, enhanced uh, you know, I think maybe with enhanced concealed carry licensing, I think you probably can carry in the revenue gotcha. office. Gotcha. All right, yeah, so we'll take a break. Let's take a break. Yes, sir. Need to do that, and then we'll come back. We've got a lot more to talk about. Uh, don't forget about our brand new sponsor of the Dave Ellswick Show. That's uh, Agent Dwayne Smith of Allstate and the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. He's at thirty-nine twenty East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. No matter what kind of uh, insurance you need, auto, you know, life, 
home. They can do it all for you. Give him a call. He'll no charge to you. He'll take the insurance that you have right now and take a look at what you know Allstate has and look at them together and uh, and help you get the best buy you possibly can so that uh, Mr. Mayhem doesn't cause any problems for you. That is the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency, 501-819-0373 at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. we got more of the Dave Ellswick Show coming up, third floor, house side, here at the Capitol, coming back in a moment. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick, uh, here on the third floor, house side. And with us, Robert Steinbach is here today. And also here is uh, Paul Calvert. Uh, Robert was going to fill in the first hour, but the bill signing for uh, Senate Bill 156 went quicker than we expected. But uh, it was a compendium of great conservatives in that room. It was great. Had Dan Sullivan in there. Had Bob Ballinger. Had Kim Hammer, had Jason Rapert. Need I say that has a pretty good compendium of uh, conservatives all gathering together. Well, and indeed, uh, that bill was uh, regarding free speech on campus. And we've got more free speech in general bills, as I understand it, from various legislators coming across the plate. And let's be clear, I view all of them as derivative, uh, meaning they all take some credit from Dave Ellswick. Cool. Uh, because sure. they all deal with the same notion. We are seeking to we are seeking to prevent government from quieting the speech of the citizenry. Yes. Be it on campus, be it in their private lives. You know that if and, and Paul and I talked about this last week or the week before when uh, if you work for the highway department and you go home. And on the weekend, you write something on your Facebook, there are bureau hacks that believe and have sought to fire employees for that. Hmm. And whether that withstands legal scrutiny well, well, or not. on the other hand, we yeah. have government agents that are coming down here and lobbying on government yes. time. And they're not being arrested. Right. We, well, the, the, the hypocrisy there sounds rather we astounding. We literally have departments set up within government agencies that have as their purpose lobbying the legislature. So the, the legislature funds an agency that spends the money to come lobby the legislature. That's like Willy Wonka logic. I've never <laughs> heard crazy. such a thing. So let me ask another thing about free speech. Is there any legislation that you're aware of that might actually help deal with commercial free speech aspects? Because there, a lot of times there are laws on the books where the government, for some uh, some odd reason, has decided that commercial free speech doesn't apply. In other words, the government can come along and say, you know, you can't put up a sign on your business unless we 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 give you permission, right. even though it is your private property. And we've just decided, that for whatever reason, it's it's not very aesthetically pleasing for you to be able to put up a sign on your own property to promote your business. And understand this is this is widespread across the country and so what you see instead is people will buy box trucks or vans and put lettering on those vans or box trucks as trucks to get around the stupid city law all right so when we come back we'll let robert talk about that sure thing and uh, the legalities of sure it thing. we got to get a break in don't forget at 3 30 
Congressman French Hill will join us here live at the Capitol to talk to us about a lot of things going on in Washington, D.C. All that's coming up. But first, we got to get to the news. All right, back with you. Third floor, House side. Don't forget that uh, I think Dr. Uh, Terry Yamauchi is going to be with us at 3.05. He'll bring us up to date on some of the things going on with flu. Not good, to let you know. And uh, I want to talk to him about tuberculosis because it's raising its head more and more and more. And the reason it is is because they're not stopping enough people on the border that have tuberculosis and they're they're coming into the United States and they're bringing it with them. Wow. I mean, it's, look, we can we can talk about that easily by just talking about the measles. No, I take that back. It was the mump outbreak that we had last year. Mm. Here in the state, they were able to track it back to patient zero, basically, and it was the Marshallese that brought it with them. Those are people the federal government brought in. That's correct. Absolutely. Up in uh, Springfield, I believe, up there in northwest Arkansas. And it started there. Mm. This is something that we all have to come to grips with. All the people who want basically open borders, you can't have open borders and keep people that are sick out of our country. I'm not saying they got to be told they can never come to America, but if they're sick, if they've got tuberculosis or they got the mumps or they got the measles or whatever, they need to be treated for all of that, of that before they're allowed into our country. Some of that is a national security issue. With sometimes a disease, if you don't have immunity to it, as a, as a society or whatever, you can really kill an awful lot of people with it. You look at the Indians that, that died when some of the white folks came in from, from Europe. Well, that was why Ellis Island was built back in, what was it, 20s, 30s, uh, for all the people that were coming in from Ireland and et cetera. For them, and they didn't have what we have now, an ability to really Check uh, know what they had. But if you if you look at Ellis Island, there's a you got to do a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they watched uh, the immigrants that were trying to come in. And if they were having a hard time walking that distance, they took them to the side and started checking on them to see if they were showing any other symptoms. It would kind of help things come out. Yeah. You might be able to hide coughing if you're not having to walk a bunch. But you walk a bunch, sometimes it's stuff you can't help but cough because you're breathing harder. And back then, they didn't call it tuberculosis. They call it consumption. consumption. And so they, they... saw it and they were able to quarantine those people a lot of people when you go to new york and you're out there in new york harbor and you go to see the statue of liberty you'll see ellis island now they're starting to work on another part of ellis island because there were two pieces to it there was the administrative area and then there was another area that was basically a uh, a hospital Hmm. in quarantine it was, in fact, the first beginnings of America of using um, the ability of uh, the government putting together a, um, a medical place that they could do things with. You know, it's kind of interesting, all the things that they, that they did at that time. It really was. But um, just good things that uh, they tried to do uh, along the way and... Um, we haven't learned. We haven't learned. We really haven't. Uh, and this, of course, goes to the broader 
notion that we've talked about time and time again regarding illegal immigration and that notion quite uh, by the way a discussion of illegal immigration is not an attack on foreigners no. my parents were were immigrants therefore they were foreigners you know you're not even allowed to use the word foreigner oh yeah you make someone feel like an other like an outsider well he's coming from the outside in he was an outsider now he's an insider i don't know what to tell you foreigner that's a, that's an evil word this is what the left does time and time again, Dave. They try to control semantics. your thought. Well, it's worse than that. It is semantics. But they try to control the words that you, that you use so that they can control your thought. And when they diminish our vocabulary, they diminish our ability to express the problems with their mind control techniques. Yep. And that's what the left is about. It's about telling you what to think, what to do, and how to live. Well, and Go ahead, Paul. That's one of the problems is if we accept their faulty premises, then we can't actually come back and, and defeat the, the bad conclusion. And so that's one of the best times to actually deal with a, with a faulty argument is, is you start off by not accepting the faulty premises. And so many times the left is good about establishing premises. Do not let somebody who is liberal, progressive, a leftist, tell you that you have changed. Let them tell you they have changed the meaning of any word. They've already done that considerably here in our country. That what one time you said this... And they took it and said, you can't say that because it's really this. Can't let them do that. They're setting all the rules up then. Right. That's nope. exactly right. That's exactly right. The, the, the left has turned the authority of the citizen on its head. They want to tell you that you as a citizen don't have a say in your country. You know who has a saying in your country? People from outside the country. The, the, Papa the, Smurf. The, the, the elite who, who have been elected and are going to tell you, you need to spend this money on a Green New Deal. You need to not drive a car. There was a guy on television last night on, I think it was MSNBC, who quite, no, it was this morning. It was this morning on Morning Cup of Blowhard. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 morning and, Joe. Yeah, Morning Joe, Morning Cup of Blowhard. And he, <laughs> and this person was saying, if we don't drastically reduce uh, people driving cars effectively, he said something like b burning of fossil fuels, mm -hmm. fuels meaning driving cars, uh, then the world will come to an end. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? The world's going to come to an end if we can't drive our cars. It's that simple. Well, unfortunately, though, we're dealing with people that probably have PhDs, but they're still poorly educated people. Right. Unfortunately. And, and our system of of so-called higher education in this country is not really a, a, a very effective system at actually determining who is educated and who is not. They, they have this system of peer review where a bunch of people that may or may not be intelligent get in a room, or maybe not in a room, but they, they decide if someone is go going to be um, knighted with the um, credentials of being intelligent, i.e. they get a PhD or maybe they get some other kind of degree. And unfortunately... If you get a bunch of nincompoops in a room and they all agree that someone else is smart, that doesn't mean the person is smart. That's exactly right. Uh, and and they, particularly when they start to speak outside of their core areas of competence. And so they start telling us, well, this is how you're going to have to live your life. Well, you got a Ph.D. in life coaching? So you, you, well, you, it, it, it's like 
I'm trying to think of who was the guy that came up with the population bomb back in the 60s. Yeah, I don't remember. remember? His name. I okay. Have. Do you know what his specialty was? No. Butterflies. Yeah, there you hmm. go. Butterflies. And he was the one that was the perpetrator of, by now, we should all be dead. Because we couldn't feed all the population. I mean, that's back when there's only like a billion people on this planet. Right, now there's seven times as many people. Yeah. And, and the problem is we've got people that that are trying to determine and make recommendations on policy who don't really know very much about life. Or, or maybe they know a lot about the area that they're experts in, but they try to take what they're an expert in and... Use pull it and use it and well not just as credentials use butterflies all right he, he knew about butterflies okay so okay that's good you but the overpopulation for butterflies is different than the overpopulation for humans right humans adapt butterflies when they get overpopulated they eat up all their all they their, just do what they butterflies do right they do what butterflies do which is not an awful lot aside from um Eating and pooping and dying and making babies, I think. But that's. But humans have this kind of cool aspect about us that we can adapt. We can actually make changes. We can become more efficient in various different um, areas and and make up for deficiencies. Whereas you know, if a bunch of deer overpopulate an area, they eat up all the vegetation and they starve each other to death. Humans don't exactly. do that. Let me give you a really good example of this. Oh, you, you may remember back in the 80s and then into the 90s, there was such a thing called peak oil. Hmm. Do you remember that? They said oil had reached its peak. It was not a, 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 a replaceable resource. We were using it all. And we're going to be out of oil, mm-hmm. peak oil. And I used to argue, you know, every time somebody says that, that we're at the peak of something, man comes up with a solution because he's not static. He sees a problem, he tries to solve it, or she. Mm-hmm. And what they did is instead of just drilling straight down into the pools of oil, they suddenly figured out a way of being able to drill down and then turn to the right and drill horizontal. out and to be and we're able to tap into more oil that has been there for a long time it, it's the same thing you know the the oil sands that are out there extracting oil from the sand in Canada it's uh, all of those different things and now they found out they find natural gas We've got more natural gas in this country than Saudi Arabia has oil. And uh, we've become the Saudi Arabia, uh, Arabia of natural gas, and then we figured out how to liquefy it. This is the key. Yeah, right. And so the, when we've got solutions, or sorry, when we have problems, solutions come up in a lot of cases if they're important. Unless you happen to be an environmentalist and you don't want a solution. Well, and a lot of times, unfortunately, a lot of the environmentalists also have socialist tendencies, and so they—they they, not only do they want to so-called save the planet, they also want government to act like a big Papa Smurf to control everybody, rather than just having liberty and justice. But that's so. They, a lot of times, those two things go together, and it makes for kind of a stupid combination. Yeah. Look. Uh the, the notion that 
the billions of people on this planet won't have an effect on the planet. It's absurd. It's absurd. Of course course we're going to have an effect. Right. And so when the, oh my gosh, look, we've got billions of people on the planet and it's affecting the planet. Yes. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. The fact is that, that, you know, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, did, did he not tell Adam to tend the garden? The fact is that when men come along and um, engage in husbandry practices, that's not the same as being married. That's that's where you actually take land and animals and you you manipulate them in a, in a way to make them more productive in many cases. When when men do that, they can often make the earth more productive than it would be just left yeah. wild. Look, I mean, obviously we shouldn't be indiscriminately polluting the planet. No, uh, that's but, dumb. But the flip side that seemingly the left doesn't understand is that we can't stop living, developing, and using resources for the benefit of mankind. And so there needs to be a balance and some, at least some of the proposals that the left are, are offering up right now don't do that. And I think there's a failure on the left to recognize that uh, by many, not all. So let's go ahead and and work into a break here. We have to do that, and then we'll be back and finish up this hour on the Dave Ellswick Show. And, of course, you're listening to 101 uh, FM, The Answer, back in a moment. All right, we've got about six minutes left here in this hour. You brought in a special guest, Robert, and this is Chris Corbett. As from what I have, he's an attorney at law. U.S. patent uh, work. He's a U.S. patent attorney, professional engineer, and master plumber. And you're not happy with, uh, I guess, a piece of legislation that's sitting out there, Chris, uh, and and uh, you're a landlord as well. So I'll let you uh, talk about this, and we'll pick it up a little bit more in the next half hour. Right on. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, yeah. for, thanks for having me on. No problem. And uh, first, first glance, my first glance at the bill, I think it's outrageous. Fourteen ten, honestly. Yeah. And um, yeah, Bill fourteen ten. Right. So it, it it puts some some onus on on landlords and and um, and such. So yeah, I've I've looked through it and I've spoken with the um, sponsor about it. He's he's somewhat seems to be somewhat receptive about making some some substantial changes. Fantastic. My you know my first take was hey let let the free market right. handle a bad rent house right mm-hmm. if it's a if right. it's a a rental house and it's mm-hmm. in bad bad shape. Um, the tenant shouldn't rent it, right? right? Well, so you know, I'm I'm somewhat sympathetic to part of the idea in this bill, in which part of the part of the thrust of that bill is to have um, standardized habitability um, standards, if you will. And so, you know, if I rent out an apartment to somebody, unless I tell them, you know, that heat and air unit doesn't work, I think it's reasonable for them to assume that it does, and then, you know. A week later, when they get their utilities turned on and they start moving in, they discover hey, the heat and air doesn't work. I think I, have a, I as a landlord, have a, have a reasonable um, obligation to fix it or else let them out of their lease. Because it was, it was reasonable for them to assume that since it was in there that it worked, unless I told them otherwise. That's a reasonable standard. But I think I need to be able to contract anything out of it by saying, you know what, this house needs some repairs, but I'm going to give it to you at a discount rate, and therefore you get cheap rent. 
in exchange for you're going to make your own repairs. That's reasonable as well, and I, I want that to be part of the bill. And I, and I think yeah. that the sponsor is actually friendly to that idea. I, I think it sounds reasonable, but if you if you read the language in the bill, it it would um, it allow a tenant. That. Yeah, it goes beyond that. Allow the tenant to withhold rent based on a non-working air conditioner, and at that point, they're in violation of a of a contract. If they if they uh, withhold the rent. They violated the contract. You, uh, a landlord should have the right to get the tenant out immediately. I agree. And um, speaking. and and that's that's one of the big problems with landlord tenant laws is that you know if if I've got somebody that doesn't want to move, it can be a real pain in the neck in some cases. I think. And so one of the things I actually suggested was that you know, why don't we set up a kind of a, a simpler system that doesn't require actual legal action? You know, why can't I go sign an affidavit? Um, declaring that you know my tenant is 15 days behind the rent, 10 days behind, whatever it is, we decide, and file that with the police, the local authorities, whether it's police or the sheriff's department, mm-hmm. and then start moving their stuff out. I I think that'd be fantastic. Right, and, and, and I think and, other landlords would be receptive. I think to that. I think they would. And the thing is, it, there, it does two things. It it keeps the tenant from getting six months behind on rent, right. and then then I could file a lawsuit and and have them uh, have a judgment against them for thousands of dollars. This keeps them from getting so far in arrears, and it um, it also keeps me from losing so much money. Right, right, and, and you know, I, I still it takes me back to the you know it's really the free market, some American values here. As a, as a tenant, I, I used to be a tenant. Mm-hmm. I wasn't always a lawyer, and I was you know it, 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 at some point it needs to be a little bit of a balance. But if if the government steps into our business as being a landlord and says you have to fix this and fix it this way mm-hmm. while the tenant can withhold rent, even if they're paying it to the registry of the court, right. who's to judge that I need to put in a, a $300 toilet versus a $50 toilet? Right. Or, um, that's because, because that, and that's part of the problem with withholding rent. They may withhold the rent and, and fix something, and, and instead of putting the $50 toilet in that you can go buy at Lowe's, they might decide to put that $300 toilet in that you never would have spent that kind of money on. That's a good point. So if they can withhold rent and then charge it back to the landlord. And that's part of that bill, too, I think. Yes. Is that, and so I think those sort of things can be contractually arranged for. And if the tenant wants that, they can make that contract with their tenant. That, right. Or with, sorry, with their landlord. That's reasonable. But but I don't think the state should mandate that as part of the contract. Right. When the, when the state steps in and, and is going to dictate how we run a landlord-tenant business, I think it's it's the wrong direction. And, and they've exempted uh, commercial property. Um, mm. I think the commercial realtors in the, in the state would go crazy mm. if um, you had to meet some sort of habitability for commercial rent property. Right. Well, and, and, and like I said, I don't have a problem with, with reasonable assumptions mm-hmm. that, that – just like if I go if I go get a hotel room, and so I go to the front and I I, I go pay pay their hundred dollars for the night or whatever it is, and they give me the key and they tell me where it is and I go there and the bathroom doesn't work. You know I, I would think that there's a breach of contract even though it didn't actually say promise the bathroom would work. I think that's a reasonable assumption, and so I think and unless there's a contract specified otherwise, I think it's okay to have habitability standards that are assumed unless otherwise specified. Right. So I'm okay with that. So I'm, I'm willing to give them some of that because maybe you have, do have some situations where landlords are taking advantage of people. I don't think that's my problem. In my, my situation, you probably had the same issue, is mm-hmm. that I have a really high percentage of my tenants that leave owing me money. And oh, pretty bad. I, oh, huge. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, take, you know, it takes you back to free market. If the, if the tenant doesn't like the house, this is America. Move. Right. 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 So I, got, I got about 45 seconds here, guys. Go ahead. Thank you, yeah. sir. No, you're right, and I, I think, and, and maybe there's maybe a, a better standard 
would be that, you know, if if you don't like it, move. And, and if the landlord truly has violated you in a serious way, he can be accountable. I think so. I think contractually speaking. Law. Yeah, he's accountable, uh, contractually speaking, yeah. I think so. And so that's something we can work with. Okay, you guys keep uh, keep your thoughts, and we'll pick this back up. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, third floor, house side. we got more to talk about when we continue after the news, which is next. All right, back with you. We move into the uh, 3 o'clock hour here, live from the Capitol, third floor, house side. And our guest that's with us, lawyer Chris Corbett, he is also a landlord. He is an attorney at law. He's a professional engineer. He's a master plumber. He's a man of all things. <laughs> and and Paul was questioning him off the air, saying, dude, just to be a professional engineer and a master plumber, that's about 12 years of work there. That, so That's not including law school. Yeah, well, I'm wondering, <laughs> when, what, what made you, dis- were you a lawyer first, and then you became, uh, you know, an engineer and a plumber, or... Were you the first, the last two first, and then you became a lawyer? An engineer first. An engineer first. That's correct. Okay. And, and, and what, uh, you know, what made you want to be a, a lawyer then? I, uh, I actually, uh, I sued my landlord, uh-huh. and, I, and I lost. Wow. Oh, really? That's interesting. <laughs> That's one of my, that was uh, part of my inspiration uh, going to law school. Wow. Yeah. So, so am I to assume, because I've always heard that, this, is that, you know, if a client who has himself as a lawyer is a fool, is is that what you found out? <laughs> that, is, that is exactly right. Well, what I found out is I, I went to court without a lawyer and I got whipped. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so what whipped you? Was it the system that was too complicated or was it just because you had a bad case? Uh, probably because I didn't hire a lawyer. Oh. <laughs> and actually, it was, it was vandalism. He was a jewelry store owner and uh, he had a nice house and um, he charged me for all the damage that was caused by vandalism. Oh, somebody else Correct. vandalized the place. Wow. After I'd moved out. Uh-oh. Yeah, but uh, well. I still think it's a good case. I think now I look back and go, if I was a lawyer, could I have won that? So I've got, I had a case years ago. Somebody moved out of a place, and when I, when I went out. out to it, it was in bad shape. Robert, look out. Somebody, um, I literally found the bathroom sink with rice in it, and they had a... a, a a, a rod where it looked like they had been shoving rice down the sink, just kind of trying to force it down the sink, cl- yeah, trying to clog good. it. Well, right. it's, well, the thing is, though, that a lot of people don't really know how sinks work. They've got a P-trap on it. You pull the P-trap off, and it wasn't clogged. And so, it, no big deal. Clean, scoop the stuff out of the top of the sink, pull the P-trap off, and it's it's no big deal. But they, they were trying to be malicious, whoever it was. I don't know for sure if it was the tenant who moved out or if it was somebody else. Who went in there afterwards? Right, and so it's an interesting situation because I couldn't actually come up, go to the, go to court, and or call the police and say, "Hey, my tenant destroyed my house when they as they were moving out." Because I didn't see them do it. Right, somebody was a, obviously malicious, but I don't, I can't actually. Yeah, but let tough. me let me just jump in because yes, I don't want to start chasing rabbits mm-hmm. all over the place. I want to go back to this piece of legislation. Yep. Like, what do they need to do with this piece of legislation to make this palatable for people who are landlords. I mean, I remember uh, I'm not, I've not always lived down south. I've lived up north and I remember up north uh, in Chicago you couldn't put anybody out of uh, an apartment. If they w- didn't want to go, they didn't have to go and they weren't paying and that was okay. That's fine. I don't get how that works, you know, but that's the way they were doing it. So, 
what do they need to do here to keep this from becoming draconian to you guys? This bill has the potential to do that. This could give incentive, the way this bill is written, for a tenant that gets behind on his rent to actually go out and break something and then claim that I didn't pay my rent because this was broken. And so the tenant's going to you know, um, have, a, have at least a, a plausible argument that I withheld my rent because things were broken and I didn't mm. meet this standard. It, it's a Based on my initial reading of it, the standard's pretty hard to meet. They've got very specific things. You know, one thing that called out was a carbon monoxide detector. I don't even think I have a carbon monoxide detector in my house. Um, but, um, you know, if, if you get to where you can maybe come up with something a little more reasonable if, to make it more palatable is, in my mind, first off would be they can't stay if they're not paying rent. Well, yeah, that would seem right. that, logical. That, there needs to be an option <laughs> right. for for removing a tenant very quickly. And, and, I, and I'm okay with if I need to go sign an affidavit and file the local police department. You know, I've got a tenant at such and such an address. They're right. they're ten days behind the rent as the law um, specifies time limit. And I'm going to move their stuff out. Now, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to move it out to. Uh, Maybe a, a predetermined location, maybe with the state, with the, with the local police. Maybe they have a, a storage, storage unit or something of that nature. Or I can take it today and haul it off. But I'm going to, I'm going to inform the local police, local authorities. I'm doing this. Maybe they want to come watch in case the tenant wants to kind of get aggressive. But but give me the option of doing that without violence, without any kind of without having to deal with a lawsuit that might take six months. Right. And um, in the meantime, give the tenant kind of the same option. They can go also go file an affidavit. Declaring, hey, my landlord's lying. I paid my rent. Here's the receipts. And then both of us will have criminal liability if we perjured ourselves. And and but neither one of us um, are, are just totally up the creek without a paddle. Right. Without um, some type of recourse. And so so I'm, I, I would like to have something of that nature. So what, what I hear you saying is um, maybe a, a streamlined eviction process. Yeah. yeah, a streamlined eviction process would be fantastic, and it would it would be good for the tenant too because it keeps them from getting so far in debt. Yeah, and, and you know if I had a um, a tenant call me and say, "Hey, uh, I've got a plumber that can fix this thing for fifty bucks. Um, can can I come in, can I have him come out here and fix this and take it off the rent?" Well, I'd, I'd like to verify, yeah. right? And um, sometimes that may even help me out. Sure. Yeah, go fix it. Sure. But don't take it off the rent. Pay the full, pay the full rent, and I'll pay you. And then bring me their seat where you paid the plumber, and I'll pay the, I'll pay you back. Sure. Or, and, and I'm, and, and maybe it's a little just a preference. In my case, I'd let them take it off the rent in a lot of cases, but right. that's a preference. And you, you can make one policy, and I can make a different policy, yeah. and that's okay. Let us let landlords decide that with their tenants as a contractual relationship. Right. And and that's and that's reasonable. I've got some tenants that I would trust. If they tell me their toilet's broken, I believe them. Right. I'll, if I need to write them a check for hundred bucks to to, to this, fix something, and, and this is my experience with um, you know some like broken windows. Um, I, oh, you got oh someone kicked in your front door. Oh, okay, did you file a police report? Uh, well, no. And the reason they didn't file a police report because they, they knew they knew who broke the window, right? Quite possibly, right? Yeah. And then if yeah. that's the reason for them to withhold rent, then where's my solution as a landlord to say, right. uh, you know, according to this bill, I can't evict them. Because I didn't meet the standard. Quite possibly, and, I don't. Yeah, I, I, and so I, I think the the habitability standard is not so unreasonable, but I think right. it needs to, there needs to be a, a, a contractual exceptions to that. Okay. Because the um, well, here's my question: 
how do you or does the, or the tenant prove that it was either broken before or after? They or after? There's no yeah. way to know. Right. Unless right. the unless the judge is Solomon. <laughs> well, well the, what would it force me to do, Dave? I think it's a fantastic question. It would force me to take a video of the property yeah. prior to them moving in. I would timestamp it, date it, and that would be my evidence. Mm-hmm. It was working when you moved in, and now it's not working. See, that's bizarre because for the simple well, – and I, I understand why you're saying that. Right. But why should you have to do that? That's your time. You're the one that's got to go out and get the equipment to be able to make the tape and all of that. Right. You know what that's going to make? It's going to mean that uh, whatever you're charging for somebody for rent, it's going to go up. That would be the unintended consequences, I think, of the bill. Is that right. rent's going to or, go up. or maybe we're more careful about who we rent to. Or, and so some people are, are, are um, just out of luck because, well, you, know, you, you look like it might be a pain in the neck to rent to, so I'm going to go rent to somebody else. Right. And do you have any kind of background of other places you've been renting to? Fair enough. And look, my, my daughter just went through this with her husband. They, this was their first place to rent, and there were places that wouldn't rent to them because they had no pri- history. Uh, prior history of renting. Now, one thing I would like to see them change is the, this paperwork that you got to fill out. It's fourteen pages and then you, long, and then you—well, not not that—you pay to submit the paperwork. Oh, that's a common practice. Okay, so uh, they they went to one place and they go, yeah, we really would like to do this. It was about. 850 square feet it was about 450 dollars it was an all right place and it would have been perfect for them they paid 75 dollars to put in that application fee and they did not tell them and knew that they had never rented from anybody before and part of their thing was they don't rent to anybody that doesn't have have rented before, right. and then they kept the seventy five dollars. Yeah, that's, Ouch. that's that, I, that's a little deceptive. There. Yeah, I'd say mean. so. Especially yeah. if they knew up knew up front. That's, that's I wish that's I could have called a, Robert a, while you were dealing with it's it. A, it's a jerk move. <laughs> but the thing is, so I think people use the application fee as a way to weed people out because, you know, if you're going to do a background check on somebody, because you know they'll give me, I'll have my have pe- potential tenants give me a list of references. Well, it takes time for me to call those people, right? And sometimes I have to do some little more further investigation to see if those people are actually just their buddies, because that, that happens to me happens as well. A lot. Absolutely. And so I've I've discovered that before, and I'll, and sometimes I'll figure out where they do actually live and who their actual landlord is, and I'll call their landlord, say, hey, this person has money right now, nice. and they're trying to move out and move into one of my places, but I discovered that well. The person that gave me a number for as a landlord was not their landlord. It's just one of their friends. And so I look up on the on the county data or something of that nature to find out who actually lives where they're actually living. I've done the who, same who, thing, who, right? Who owns the place where they're living. And so I sometimes call them and say, look, you've got somebody that maybe they're behind on rent right now. I know they have money because they're, they're looking to move into one of my places. Right. And so that happens. And if I have to spend an hour doing research on somebody who's not legit, that costs me time and money. And so an application fee is not so unreasonable. But if I know up front that they're not going to, to qualify, it's, a, it's pretty rotten of me to take their money. That, that's just mean, if, nothing, if, if not downright stealing. Yeah, and I, my practice is and my application fee is it's applied to the rent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's not the case with these guys. <laughs> just saying it wasn't good. Yeah, and I could see having... An addendum to the bill that says that you can't do something like that. I can understand that, but you can't make a piece of legislation 
that just takes one or the other individual and and, and gives them everything. Right. Right. No, and you shouldn't. And and so I, I think so I think a reasonable compromise for this bill would to set up would be to set up a, a habitability standard that is assumed to be correct unless contracted otherwise. And so if if I rent a place out to somebody, it's it's reasonable for them to assume that the faucets work, the outlets work, the heat and air system in it works, the oven works, whatever else in it. It's reasonable for them to assume that it works unless I've informed them otherwise. Yeah, the other thing that this new tenant or uh, landlord that they have, they went through and showed them that everything, it all worked. Right. If something broke, if it was to fix it, was $40 or below, the tenant fixed it. If it was over $40, then the landlord fixed it. And so uh, my son-in-law did some work around the, the house. You know, there was some switches that the, t- the top was cracked or whatever, and he took face, that off. Face plate yeah, faceplate. Right. Thank you. 50, 50 cents. But then... They found out. They tried to run it, and uh, the dishwasher didn't run. Right. Uh, they found out that the garbage uh, garbage disposal wasn't running, and he went in there to try to work on it, and they found gravel in it. Oh, somebody was being malicious. Pre- previous tenant, mm-hmm. probably. probably so. so they're putting a new new dishwasher. one in, and they're putting a new dishwasher in. That so I'm 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 for that. Yeah. I'm, no, and that, I that's that's like I, I, had, I had a tenant that just way it should be that just. Um, Agreed to move into a place. They gave me a deposit, and and the dishwasher is is um, I'm not sure if it works. But I told him that, mm-hmm. and so if it doesn't work, we'll make sure it gets fixed and or replaced, whatever it needs to be. But they, they, I told them that up front. We don't have it in writing, but I'm not a jerk. I'll do what I said, and so it's and, and we're good with that. And, but and, I'll be but, honest with you. If yeah. I was a tenant, yeah, I wouldn't go by your word. You might not. Well, right. Let's talk about <laughs> okay. dishwasher for a minute. Does that make it habitable? If that, if in someone's mind, is that re- I want a working dishwasher, therefore I'm not going to pay rent. Yeah, well, oh, that, that's, that's a good question. I mean, to me, a dishwasher. I, I lived in apartments with it's no a luxury. Yeah, sure. it's a luxury. Sure, but the thing is, so if so, if someone is paying for a house that includes certain amenities, I think they're entitled to have those amenities working. Now, I think there's probably some reason reasonability issues that you know, if it if it goes down for for two days, landlord has a little bit of time to fix it. Now, this right. this bill actually does uh, give the landlord, I think, fifteen or fourteen. Days yeah, or fourteen like days. That. I I and, emailed some other landlords right. asking about what they thought, and they said, "Well, right. we have fourteen days to fix stuff." And yeah. and, some, and, and generally speaking, if someone's up on the rent, and they're not late. I'm going to fix their stuff in less time than that. Absolutely. Generally speaking, so that, that's not. I don't have a whole lot of heartache over over that aspect, but, but I, I do want to maintain the the right to to keep contracts as. As we agree on, because right. you know, if if you have a a shed out behind your house that has no electricity or plumbing, and you have an outhouse out back, and I say, you know what, I'm I'm broke, can I rent that from you for fifty bucks a month? You should be allowed to do that. We should be allowed to make that contract with each other. Maybe you right. don't want me back there, but but that should be legal. I, I, just thinking about that for a minute, I mean, it kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. But if that is something that you want to contract for, and you want to live in a in a shed, um, you know, part of me says, yeah, that, that should be right. But then the other part is, well, wait a minute. Um, you know, that's not really where a family needs to be living. It, it um, might not be, but it, the other option might be them living under a bridge. Huh, well, that, well, true. 
And so, and that's kind of where I'm coming at is, yeah. that, and maybe I don't have a family. Maybe I'm, I'm just by myself. You know, mm-hmm. I can live in a tent if I have to. Right. And is it unreasonable for me to, to rent out lots for tents? <laughs> no, I no. think uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty reasonable. Well, the KOA does it all the time. Right. And, right. and so, and so, if I, I can give them a couple spigots to get water <laughs> and, and an outhouse to poop in. And yeah, you know, why don't we? Why don't we try liberty? I, I like it. Um, and um, it, you know, and, but we're in reference to this bill, right. though. It uh, it may need to say that. Hey, I can rent a shack out for fifty bucks. Right, and and, and, and I and, and speaking of the sponsor, I don't think he's just totally opposed to that idea. And I, I'm, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but at the end of the day, you know, let's let's let people make contracts for what yeah. they want to make contracts for. And, and live. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll finish up our segment on this on the Dave Ellswick Show. Know that you can uh, learn all the little known strategies that can help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free uh, tax reduction uh, analysis. It's from David Lucas of David Lucas Financial, who's the host of the David Lucas Show here on 101.1 The Answer. David's a published author. He's a uh, Right here in Little Rock, and the free analysis will reveal the little-known strategies and loopholes that could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. So what you want to do is get this free analysis. All you got to do is be one of the first 10 callers now at 501-653-6690. 501-653-6690 for your tax reduction analysis quick break and back for more here on the dave ellswick show all right back with you we've got about three minutes left let me turn it over to chris for a moment chris what is the number of this bill again and then uh, what are the things that you want to see them change it's a house bill 1410 um it's been uh, presented by representative gasaway 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 he's an attorney attorney right on and um so one of the things that stands out is prohibited conduct. Um, you know, if a if a tenant complains to a government agency, that's basically what landlords call call code. Right. If if a tenant calls code, then based on that, uh, a landlord cannot retaliate. And then defined as terminating the lease. Okay. Is that right? Is retaliation terminating the lease when they're behind rent? No. They, you're not terminating the lease because they called code. You're terminating the lease because they didn't pay their rent on time. Um, so, well, and then there's also the joining the union or other things as well. Ah, oh, right did on. You, did you did you see that? Or, no, I did. Yeah, I, yeah, so join was, the union. It's it's in the same section. There. Oh, organized or become a member of a tenant's union. Yeah. Right. So, so basically, they organize <laughs> against you, and you can't you can't kick them out. Yeah. A tenant's uh, union. It's outrageous. Um, uh, yeah, and then the other when you come down there to, to remedies uh, for the tenant, it, it seems to me that this bill could create an, an incentive for the tenant to break something and then withhold rent. Okay. Um, I think that may be some unintended consequences, but let's let, let's face it: when uh, the, these tenants are negotiating for the roof over their house, and they if they have a flat tire and they have to go get it fixed, they don't make it into work, they don't get paid. Then they're going to negotiate. They're going to try to do something to stay in the house. And um, if they hadn't paid the rent, um, you should be able to institute eviction procedures rather than them having to go. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to. I learned from my buddy down the road. If I break a window, 
or like playing about something that's broken um, now, not when it was broken, but I'm going to play now when the, oh, I haven't paid my rent, then I can stay and still not pay the rent. Gotcha. So that, that's my problem, if that makes sense. All right. Well, we'll keep following this, and we'll have you on the next time that they uh, bring it up uh, to committee, and uh, we'll see what happens. We appreciate you, Chris, coming by. Chris Corbett is a lawyer. He's an attorney at law, U.S. patent attorney, in fact, professional engineer, master plumber. But most importantly, he's a landlord, and this is a piece of legislation that will affect him personally, as it does with Paul as well. Stay with us. we got more coming your way. The uh, congressman is supposed to be here, French Hill. We'll uh, see if he makes it to the third floor house side on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave for a moment. Uh, we have on the line with us, as previously announced, Congressman French Hill. Congressman, how are you today? Robert, it's great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. And it's terrific to see the sun has come out in Little Rock after <laughs> drizzle and misery for 33 degrees. It's a beautiful day. Amen. You know, Congressman, I think that you elected officials can do a lot, but I might not blame you for the weather. <laughs> Gosh, no, Maybe. That's, that's a shocker. That's a shocker. I'll let you know. I'll let you that know. Was, that was George Bush's fault, wasn't it? <laughs> Indeed. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's dive right into it, Congressman, if we may. We know your time is precious. And we really do want to talk about what's going on at the border and with the uh, emergency declaration uh, of the president. Can you tell us uh, what your thoughts on that are and, and what your thoughts of the, the compromise, the package uh, to keep the government open uh, um, that just recently uh, passed Congress uh, is? Well, let's start first with the uh, the compromise. It was within the, the, except for the Homeland Security portion, it was generally within the spending caps that have been agreed to by President Trump in the first couple of months he was in office. And that took care of things at, at the Ag Department or the Department of Interior. Some of these uh, government agencies, the Justice Department, including our federal judiciary, caught in the crossfire of this negotiation. So that's right. now functioning. On Homeland Security, it was a compromise, and the president did not get uh, the additional miles of border fencing technology that he wanted, but he did get uh, the judges that he wanted. We now have up to 524 federal judges working these immigration cases. That's up almost 200 over the last two fiscal years. So that's been a big improvement because when you talk to immigration uh, lawyers along the border, it's just it's just impossible to get hearings for these people, either seeking asylum hearings or these detention hearings or anything else uh, of a criminal or immigration nature. So that's number one. Number two, they got uh, some additional humanitarian support for the people who are being detained along the border. Uh, So those were two good things. And they got 55 miles of border double border fencing, the bollard fencing that the president wants that will be located in the Rio Grande sector. So I'd say those are the good news situation about the compromise. Uh, The less than satisfactory things are, one, not enough miles, in my opinion, no new green uniform border patrol agents, which is something that we had in the House bill last year that we could not get uh, passed. 
uh, the kind of manpower increase that we need. And uh, that lack of manpower and that lack of more miles were disappointments uh, in the compromise. Indeed. Indeed. Well, Congressman, let's let's expand upon that uh, for a moment. I I really am at a bit of a loss uh, as a conservative to understand why the left uh, has decided that of all the technologies that apply to border security, the only one that is entirely irrelevant and entirely useless, and as uh, Nancy Pelosi said, immoral, is a physical barrier. Is it pure politics? Is there any other explanation for that? Robert, it's 100% politics, because for two and a half decades, almost 30 years, Democrats and Republicans know that we need border security, and that's green uniforms, that's double fencing with a parallel roadway that includes cameras, infrared technology, um, lighting, uh, particularly at our border crossings and other places. It includes uh, the screening technology, which was included in this bill at the ports of entry. We only screen with x-rays so many trucks coming across Laredo, El Paso, and San Diego, enormous ports of entry. And there was a substantial increase in the screening technology contained in this compromise bill. And so I, I should have listed that as a positive. It absolutely will catch drug smugglers and human trafficking smugglers that come through ports of entry. It, it, it will do that. But the politics of not building this border fence, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. The rhetoric around it is ridiculous. It works. It reduces uh, human trafficking. It reduces drug interdiction. It allows our Border Patrol to more efficiently use the manpower that they have because people do sh- are shaped by the use of the fence, obviously. Well, of course they are, right? And, uh, and so I appreciate uh, all your comments on that. You raised an, an interesting issue within that, and that deals with what comes across the border at crossings and what doesn't. And it's sort of like, um, well, instead of drawing an analogy, let me just ask the question. The, the left keeps telling us, well, we know this that most crime occurs at the border crossing because that's where we catch these people. But you don't know what you don't know, right? To paraphrase the former defense secretary. And so we have, uh, as the president points out, likely significant crime coming across the border that is unattended. So the absence of arrests at those points doesn't mean an absence of crime at that uh, at those points. And for that reason alone, you would think some sort of barrier, as is presented at a border crossing, would be beneficial. Uh, am I right in my analysis? You're, you're right in your analysis that these places in between ports of entry, uh, uh, you don't have substantial double fence lighting and you are reliant on patrols that are back away from the border sometimes you know tens of miles sometimes over a hundred miles away from the border if it's a desert region or a mountainous region and so people are streaming across the border there in groups these are what you read and hear about the coyotes that bring human trafficking not between the ports of entry Uh, they are packing drugs through those areas this is in new mexico uh, arizona and texas 
so that's why this border fencing and the lighting and the infrared technology allows us to better shape the force projection. And there are always controversial places where judgment's going to be used. No one is checking their judgment at the door here. If you have mm-hmm. thousand foot bluffs in the national park of Big Bend overlooking the river, no. They're not going right. to build the parallel road there and use the bollard fencing in every aspect of that. You you can see that at Lake Armistead at where the Pecos River flows into the Rio Grande at Del Rio. Uh, there are places where you don't need it. And you can use aerial surveillance and, and infrared um, surveillance. Right. But right. it does help uh, in these flat right. stretches. And that's why it's used. And there are places where um, I'm sure it won't be due to a private right. property situation. Right, right. Uh, Congressman, let us take a quick break, and then we'll be back with you uh, to follow fo- follow up on this topic and then uh, get into the question that we're all interested in, and that is about the emergency declaration by the you president. Bet. Thank you. You know, PI Roofing Home Solutions uh, announced a while back they have acquired Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Service, so now... If you need your gutters cleaned out, all you got to do is get a hold of PI Roofing at piroofing.com and know that with that recent purchase by PI Roofing Home Solutions, uh, customers of Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Service now pick up the uh, great work that uh, PI Roofing does, offering comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise. Can't beat it when you get more out of uh, what you do with this company. All you got to do is go to piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. Okay, back at the Capitol, third floor, house side. And, uh, Congressman, thanks for joining us today. I wish I'd been here when you first came on, but I had to run away from the mic for just a few moments. I'm back now. Let's talk about a national emergency. There's been a lot of presidents that have declared national emergencies, and it just seems to me because it's Trump, now it's, you know, biblical in proportion or something. Yeah, I think the coverage of it is definitely over the top. Presidents have been doing this uh, since the mid-1970s under a mm-hmm. 1970s law that gives them uh, permission from the Congress to do select uh, reprogramming of funds for a national purpose. I think if my memory's right, there's been something like 60 of these. Uh, I don't think as many have reprogrammed uh, as much money for a purpose such as this. So I think you'll hear members of Congress, myself included, carefully studying the 70s statute, looking at the exact three categories the president proposes to use in the homeland budget, in the DOD, the defense budget, and also in the uh, drug forfeiture budget and seeing if he uses those funds, what is not being done that was originally intended by Congress for that money to be spent. So uh, I'm still doing my analysis on it, but the coverage of it is uh, over over the top. Thus far, from what you've looked at, I, I know that you all don't like to give up power, uh, and that's that's understandable. Your first responsibility as a legislator is to control the purse, so you don't want to give that up. But uh, as you said, that law allows that. 
although this president is asking to control a whole lot more money. Yeah, here's my here's my example, and you and I talked about it briefly when this was being considered. And I'm I've asked for this information, and I'm sure we'll get it shortly in the next few days. Look at the DoD military construction budget. Mm-hmm. Um, we have DoD military construction uh, demands all over the United States and abroad, where we have men and women stationed. And so, when somebody tells me they want to reprogram that money, uh, you know, we need to know the details of that. If it's going to be taken away from a high-priority military construction project at a base somewhere in the United States and be used to build border fence, uh, you know, that needs some discussion. So that's the kind of analysis that I'm going uh, to look at. Uh, And in the meantime, you know, uh, we need to make sure that we aggressively spend the money that he has in the Homeland Security budget, where I think it's a little less controversial about reprogramming. Yeah, you don't want to hit any, and I can understand this, being a member of the military for nine years that I was, you don't want to do mission-specific cuts and let somebody say, well, we've got to uh, upgrade the officer's uh, club, you know, things of that nature, because I've seen that kind of stuff done before. So it it will be nice uh, that you guys will use your oversight to make sure that doesn't happen. Exactly right. But it doesn't change. It doesn't change the fact that Congress's compromise uh, was, you know, inadequate in my view. I supported it because I always ask myself this common sense question: Is the bill before us leave us better off than current mm-hmm. law? And look, the border security is more secure, and the president has more tools and resources than we did before the compromise. That's just a fact. And so, for me, it was logical to support uh, the work uh, he did to get what he got. I'm just arguing that we need to do more, and I want to make sure that if if he uses executive power through an emergency declaration, that there are no unintended consequences from that. So that's the due diligence that I'm pursuing. The other thing that worries me about what's going on at the border is we know that there's more of these... uh, caravans that are coming. Congressman, what are we going to do with these countries that aren't stopping these people from trying to, you know, bull rush the United States of America? Well, this is, to me, one of the most important things the president could work on. And I know he's referenced this when he's on his, on the stump and he's speaking. But in Honduras and Salvador and Guatemala and the Central Uh, American countries. We need to reassess what is American bilateral aid going to? How is it being used? What could we be doing to make sure that money is being better spent on border security and economic development in those countries and drug and crime interdiction, whatever we're doing down there, and also make sure that's in cooperation uh, with Mexico, because At one time in the last 20 years, Mexico was known for a very successful southern border security apparatus, which has clearly deteriorated. And we need cooperation from those countries. And if we've made a mistake in how we're spending aid money there, we need to correct and fix it because that's the origin of much of this pressure on the American southern border. 
Well, it indeed, Congressman, we, we see the president, uh, I think, throughout his foreign policy approach, make the point that to the extent that we're handing over taxpayers' hard-earned money to foreign countries, we are expecting more in return. And equally, we're expecting more from these foreign country governments to chip in for, amongst other things, their own defense. So we can't be financing the world. We can't be the cradle uh, for all people who want to have an improved life uh, to come here. Uh, I understand that desire. I'm the son of legal immigrants, uh, and they came here because this is the greatest country on the planet and in the history of time. Uh, But with that said, we can't just absorb everybody. We will be an overburdened a society if we even try to, and I don't see the Democrats understanding this basic point. No, and so that's why I want to see that all that funding that's spent in Central America with Mexico and the United States with those countries coordinated and evaluated on what we can be doing differently and better, including how our partner National Guard units down there help them. I think our Arkansas National Guard, if my memory's right, is partnered in uh, in um, in Honduras, and how is that helping them? Uh, so you make a good point, and I think this is something Democrats frequently leave out of the debate. We are the most generous country in the world on legal immigration, people seeking asylum. Over a million people a year become permanent residents here, and this is why I also support redoing our immigration system along the lines of what the president outlined in 2017 on more merit-based, remove Mm -hmm. the caps from some countries where we are penalizing legal dreamers here. These are kids under 18 of engineers that are at the Arkansas Department of Information Systems or at UAMS that are teaching in our medical school or working here. Those kids are in the same situation as the illegal uh, kids of illegal aliens, and I don't think that's mm. right either. And this is a it's function not. of a broken immigration system. So, where do you see this going? Anywhere? Since we're moving into another election cycle, Congressman. Well, I think the president is uh, sees that when you look at independent, the views of independent voters and conservative voters across the country, they do believe border security is important. They believe it's important that we also have a legal and reformed immigration system that maintains America's generosity, but uses common sense to keep uh, crime and drugs and human trafficking out of our country. So I think the president's uh, got an important issue. He's going to be the leading voice on it over the next election cycle. But we need to continue to make progress on this in 2020, meaning the 2020 fiscal budget coming up. And we need to take the politics out of this. Your Robert's very first question, which is, why has something that has been a standard part of what we do been so politicized? So in every instance I get to talk to the public, I try to remove the politics from building of barriers and using technology and manpower on the border. This should not be uh, cast as such a negative situation. This is something all Americans should be supportive of. Congressman, thanks for the time. It's always a pleasure to have you on and uh, eye-opening. You've got a lot of different things to tell us about. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you so much. Best wishes, Dave. Have a good one. Thanks, Robert. All right. 
Congressman, of course, French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 for a half hour to talk what's going on up in Washington. And, you know, it's my goal to keep you informed. All right, let's take a break. We've got news coming up. And then J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, will join us for a half hour. Joe and Duck will finish it up starting at 5 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show, live from the Capitol, third floor, house side, back in a moment. At 4 o'clock hour, and we're switching things up a little bit here as we get to the end of the week because the session is going on, and things have to get switched up at times. J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, is going to join us for a half hour, and we're going to be talking to them. The congressman was supposed to be here uh, today in talking with us. Instead, he ended up at the station, and so he was on one of the microphones in the studio talking to us which was kind of an interesting uh, sound <laughs> but I'll, I'll let the i'll let the governor know governor or the governor the uh, the congressman know i'll send you the name of the guy that i told him four times <laughs> that we were at the third floor house side of the capitol building today so well i, I, I will say I, you have a better setup uh, at your studio so yeah, oh, <laughs> it's yeah. a much nicer good better view yeah better view. definitely and not only that e- e- even though i know you guys are here every week i texted you this morning to say now where are we again so yeah. i can understand the the ease at which one could make that mistake well we're moving around all the time Indeed. and doing uh, everything that we can and i'm told that he was not doing it on microphone from the studio he was actually on, on his cell phone oh, calling the studio oh my gosh patching talking, them into this. yeah talking to us here so that even makes it crazier all right so let's talk to jr jr uh, my thanks to the governor for inviting me today to the uh, the signing of uh, senate bill 156 which is a freedom of speech bill absolutely really really 
proud of that piece of legislation getting out, and it did it in post haste. Yeah, it didn't take a long time. And a lot of a lot of support, bipartisan support. Yeah, um, so very very exciting about that. And we talk about our tax cut bill and and things that need that was yesterday, know, right? That you guys uh, signed yeah. off. Yeah, on? we did. Right. It's been a good week so far. Monday we signed the teacher pay uh, increase. Okay. Uh, that that got a, a tremendous amount of support in both chambers. Uh, that'll increase teacher pay by four thousand dollars over the next four years. Uh, we've already the governor under his administration has already increased teacher pay four times since 2015, and that's really put us in a position where we're sort of the middle of the pack right now with our surrounding states. But now with this next piece of legislation, we will be the highest uh, as far as minimum teacher salary among all of our neighboring states uh, within four years. And so that's, that's really great. I think it speaks volumes to uh, the governor's commitment to our educators, uh, also recruiting uh, the next generation of educators and let them know that we're, we're fully in, uh, uh, supportive and committed to them in the long run. They're the ones that are teaching the next generation. So it's really, really important. And I think we've we've gotten a lot of good coverage. And I say that you know that that a lot of folks understand how important this is. We've actually gotten better coverage uh, on the teacher pay than the tax cut bill, and uh, and I think that just speaks volumes to to the fact that people everybody knows a teacher, uh, and everybody knows how hard those teachers work. Uh, and I think it was just important for us to have this opportunity to say, look, uh, we appreciate everything you do. We know how hard you work. We know it's not an easy job, uh, and we are committed to you that when you come out of college, you're ready to work. We're going to give you. Uh, this minimum teacher salary that's higher than any other state in the region, uh, but also, more importantly, those teachers who are already teaching uh, that have an advanced degree, that have a certain number of years' experience, if they were to move to another school, their salaries also increase uh, more so than just the minimum teacher salary. So it's really important for us to kind of set this standard right now to say future generations Teaching uh, is an incredibly noble profession. We know how hard it is, and we want to uh, have your back every step of the way. So that was Monday. Uh, Tuesday, the governor signed uh, the tax uh, tax cut into law. It's our third income tax reduction in, in four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, Dave, 100% of our Kansans have received, uh, will have received a, a tax benefit uh, because of these income tax reductions. And the governor mentioned this yesterday in his speech that I thought was just it kind of caught me, but this, you know, with today, with that signature yesterday, it really is a shift in Arkansas tax policy that that we have not seen. You know, we talk about 138 years of Democratic rule. 2008 is when we really started to see this tax policy change. And yesterday, we're saying that we are lowering the top marginal rate from 6.9 to 5.9. We are going to be competitive for the first time in more than 100 years. Uh, or if you want to get technical, probably 40, 50 years, but uh, competitive with our surrounding states when it comes to income tax uh, reform. And so that's very, very exciting. Uh, over the cur- course of 40 years, $250 million uh, in income tax reductions. Um, so that's, that's, that was very important to the governor. He was very excited about that. We needed 75% in both chambers. We got more than that in both with bipartisan support. So I think to me, that that me, and if you ask the governor, that probably means more than anything else to know that this was something that everybody could kind of sink their teeth into. In fact, in the House, we lost two to three Republican votes and picked up a third of the Democratic caucus. So that tells you that this was an important piece of legislation that people know that that it uh, uh, hinged a great deal on the future of Arkansas. So uh, that was exciting. Then, of course, Dave, as you mentioned today, we we got to sign that Freedom of Speech bill. That was uh, a university great feeling. Campuses. I'm 
Robert, you're, you'll be able to relate to this. What was so fun about that is he was signing and getting it all done. And by the way, I think you I can got pull, your pen somewhere. Yeah, I can pull, pull it out. out. Got my pen right here <laughs> from where he was signing the bill, and, and I've I got the you, pictures. I, they well, came. good. I'm glad you got the picture, and I'll tell you this. The governor was very excited to give you that pen, and when I told him it was your birthday Friday, he was like, even better. <laughs> so uh, if we had a bow, we could we could slap on that. We would have. So he was he was excited you were there. Um, and just more importantly, the, the work from – uh, rep, uh, I say representative, uh, Senator Bob Ballinger and everything he's done with that piece of legislation. Yep, he did good. Very, very important. And then, of course, our friends at Alliance for Defending Freedom. Uh, we've seen this in other states, and it has just been a bloodbath of a fight. Uh, but it wasn't here. Uh, you nope. saw bipartisan support once again to say, look, this is a fundamental right for our students. You've got to be able to give them the opportunity to have uh, – uh, to be able to um, – uh, you know, come up with their own way of thinking, and and if they want to uh, exercise that freedom of speech, they should absolutely have the right to do that wherever it is. Um, so I, I think uh, our legislators, both sides of the aisle, give them credit. Uh, they also recognize that, and I think Arkansas is sort of an exception to the rule when you look uh, across the country at other fights like this. Well, we got the best law across the yeah. nation. It, it 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 hurts me, my heart, that we have to pass a law in our state to reinstate that we got a first amendment right that just blows my mind and teach and teach the next generation that this is a fundamental right yeah this is yours Uh, don't let it go away yeah goes away you'll never get that one back we've kind of developed somewhat of a a generation of pansies almost among some, it seems that, well, we shouldn't be allowed to say stuff that offends me. Oh, yes, you should be allowed to say stuff that offends me. Well, that's what makes that's, it the best. I mean, that's, that's the nature of free <laughs> speech saying. is that, that, that you need to be able to say stuff that's offensive to people. As long as you're not lying about them, you know, yeah. the right to say stuff that's and offensive you know, is We've talked about this before on the show. There's a, there's a sense of pride in, and probably not you know, the last 10 years or so, but there's a point of pride uh, in sort of America's democracy that we can share ideas. You may not agree with it, but... That's right. And you have the stories of old at the federal level where congressmen, Republicans, Democrats, best friends differ on different issues, but once that's resolved, you know, they move on with life, and that's what it's about, but you should be able to debate those issues, uh, and I think that's what that's, that should be part of. You know, college students should, shouldn't, you know, enroll in classes and basically be told what to think. They need to be able to come up with their own thing, with their own thoughts, their own uh, opinions of things, and, and be able to share that without some sort of fear of retribution uh, for that. So I think it was a fantastic uh uh, bill signing today, a, a real symbol of, of what Arkansas was able to do coming together like that. So I've been pretty happy with the last three days, Dave. It's been, uh, yeah, it's right been really, so. really good. Yeah. So. And after the governor got done signing, Robert, he says, this is now law. Yeah. Indeed. I thought, Indeed. Yes. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Indeed. And, and there's uh, my understanding, uh, and I've been talking with folks about it, there's, there's more free speech type bills coming down the pike mm-hmm. uh, because uh, – the, the the governor's strong f- support for these ideas, as well as Bob Ballinger, Kim Hammer, Dan Sullivan, and you know I'm leaving more names off than than, than I've mentioned. It, we are in session for you know a little less than half a year. 
only every other year. It's a 75% Republican legislature. It's a strong Republican governor. Now's the time to strike when the iron is hot. And as you point out, Dave, yeah, you would think that you wouldn't need a law on this because we would want free, we would assume Pretty free speech. evident Right. But the fact is <laughs> that we've seen enough examples throughout the country and within Arkansas to teach us that we need to build in protections. And so uh, I was saying earlier in the show, I want to see this legislature uh, pump out a bunch of very good conservative bills so that we can sort of solidify the conservative perspective in law for a long time. Nothing's permanent, but we, uh, it's, it's, it should be a time in which we end this sort of wishy-washiness and we pass more outstanding bills much like this act. Yeah, it's like you said, this is one of the most, if not the most, conservative legislatures we've had uh, in, in this House. It's so the most conservative in the country right now. Let's take advantage of it. Let, let's do some big things. Indeed. Yeah, and this well. is one example of it. And I, listen, to pick up on JR's point, uh, there were folks from out of state, uh, various folks involved in this pro- uh, process, and they said, well, we're not sure we can do this, and maybe we don't do that. And there were many uh, of us, including me, but many, who said, no, 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 we, we have to do this. We're going to push we, it We're going to push it all the way. We're going to do it right. And it was because we in Arkansas understand this legislature and uh, this great governor of ours and so it's let's get it done we just got this done it's fantastic let's keep going so jr did you hear what happened in committee today about the highway bill with uh terry rice how'd that go today yeah so the governor has um uh about six items on his agenda for the legislature uh, this session, but really we've honed in on the four T's, and that's transformation, transportation, tax cuts, and teacher pay. Right. Two of those four uh, have already been checked off the list. We're very excited about that. Transformation is well on its way. Uh, basically, the debate is finished in the House. The governor spoke on the House uh, at the House committee today, state agencies. Um, so we feel really good about the House side. Uh, Senate state agencies today, I think, um, uh, really exciting that the, the highway bill passed out. Oh, it did. Uh, it did. It passed out of committee, um, so it'll go to the Senate floor. I'm not sure when that's scheduled for. Um, and then, of course, once it passes out of there, and it's a simple majority, it'll go over to the House. Um, you know, I think this is something the governor's really put a, a, a whole lot of thought behind. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mentioned this earlier, we've cut taxes by $250 million, and that's just the income tax reductions. We've got corporate income taxes that are coming down the pike at some point this session, uh, I expect from Senator uh, uh, Senate Pro Tem Jim Hendren and the Tax Task Force. Um, I saw Paul up there speaking. Uh, I don't know. Were you speaking for it, against it, or sort of in between? Sort of in between, but against sort of it. Between. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but I think at the, the end of the day, it was this. The governor always, has always said uh, back in the campaign that, look, we, we need a highway. Pl- we need one. Everyone knows we need one. And we're hearing mm-hmm. it more from the people of Arkansas than ever before, that, especially our farmers. So we've got to fix our roads. We've got to be able to have good, solid roads for our farm-to-market roads. We also have to be able to have the infrastructure in place where we can pull in new industry to Arkansas. That's one of the biggest things they look at, along with the income tax rate in Arkansas and corporate tax rates. Um, uh, but after you know conversations with legislative leadership and some other members of the House and Senate, 
Uh, the governor agreed that, look, if you guys want to take the vote on this, if you want to do this $95 million plan and then we'll do the, the uh, extension of the half-cent sales tax uh, to the people of Arkansas and let them vote on it, they did it once. Uh, they obviously have the ability uh, and the cognizance to do that once more if they want to do that. Uh, let's let's go with that plan. And so, what this does, we've talked about it last week, Dave. You know, you have a three cent increase into the and in the gasoline tax, six cents into the diesel tax, and then some fees uh, with hybrid and electric vehicles, which I think is appropriate when you're talking about user fees. Right? hundred hundred on hybrid, two hundred on electric. Um, but but at the the fact of the matter is, if you're using the roads, there should be a user fee for it. We've all got to pitch in to make sure that our infrastructure is the way it should be. I think Paul made some good points about some of the aesthetics of different things. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we've got to get this infrastructure in place. We've got to shore up the bridges and the roads that we already have. Uh, and then we've got to turn our attention to some of the major projects that really pull, will put Arkansas on the map. Anytime you have an interstate like 49 going basically all the way through the western part of the state, if you can widen 412 to better connect Jonesboro and northwest Arkansas to north central Arkansas, that's so, so important. The Bella Vista bypass up into Missouri. Uh, and that's just three items. I know there's a lot going on from from our, from Little Rock up to Jonesboro and and all those sorts of things. If you ever traveled to Memphis on a weekend, you know there's a thousand potholes on the way <laughs> uh, to Memphis from Little Rock. So there's a lot of things we've got to shore up. A 300 million dollar plan is not the 478 million dollar plan that that the Department of of uh, Transportation has requested. But the governor said, look, this is a legitimate plan. It's the largest in Arkansas's history. We can do this. We're going to put general revenue towards it with some of the new casino revenues. So we're not asking Arkansas taxpayers to do everything. We are going to put some money toward it. We are going to do uh, an increase in in the uh, gas and diesel tax. And then we're going to ask voters with all the information that they'll have, certainly uh, in the next two years, because this campaign, I promise you, is going to start immediately following this session. They're going to have all the information on their plate, and they're going to be able to make the decision on that. And and, and really and truly, you know, two-thirds of the funding they'll be able to make the call on. So I think it's appropriate. Uh, I think it's good news for the state of Arkansas. Uh, and and at the end of the day, the taxpayer is the one that gets to make the decision ultimately on what we do with our long-term uh, highway funding bill. Uh, but I think it's in good shape. Uh, passing out of committee today with one no vote is is a good sign. Um, we'll see where it goes on the ho- on the Senate floor, and then of course over into the uh, House committee and House floor. So uh, we expect that one to move a- move along fairly quickly, and then of course transportation or transformation, as I mentioned, uh, quickly in the House. It's kind of stalled a bit in the Senate. The governor spoke uh, to Senate state agencies yesterday for about 25 minutes, fielded questions. And let me just tell you, when's the last time you saw that happen where a governor went before the uh, Committee on Senate State Agencies to field questions from senators to make sure they knew they were, you know, to make them feel comfortable with this transformation plan? It's important. It's historic. Uh, It will be the first time since bumpers in 71 uh, to really uh, reform state government and transform it into a way that is, is more efficient. Uh, you break down the silos. You're not having 42 direct reports. You're having 15 instead. Uh, and, and you can get everyone around a table to say, this is my initiative. This is my goal. Let's all try to achieve that together. That's very, very important. The savings is sort of a, a, a secondary matter. There will be savings. And we've got a, a preliminary estimate around $15 million a year annually starting in the second fiscal year. But $15 million is such a conservative uh, estimate because I'm telling you, when you look at past projects, past uh, 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 
mergers with rural services into ADC. They saved $100,000 annually just, just on rent costs. That's one agency. So I'm telling you, it, there's going to be so much more than that, but that's a secondary measure. This is going deli- to help efficiencies with deliverable uh, services to taxpayers, and that's what's the most important thing. All right, a break, and then we'll come back and finish it up with J.R. Davis, the uh, governor's spokesman, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, well, let's finish up this segment. J.R. Davis has come by, the governor's spokesman. A lot of things happening now. Yeah. Is, is, I mean, is the is the session going to get over? Do you think earlier than maybe everybody <laughs> thought? I'm always uh, cautiously optimistic, optimistic <laughs> uh, maybe pessimistic. <laughs> we'll see how that shakes out. I think every time you have a general session, a lot of things come down uh, towards the end of the session. So there are a lot of bills. Uh, a lot of good bills that need consideration, a lot of bad bills that shouldn't have any sort of consideration, um, but that's part of the process. So uh, I think if you ask the governor, I think he feels pretty good about where we are right now. Uh, things have happened. Uh, you know, you've had good debate, uh, good conversations with legislators, but like I said, we've got two of the four T's crossed off. Highways is on its way. Transformation's in good shape. So uh, I think we feel really good about where things stand right now. And I'll tell you this. 20 years after the fact, people are going to look back at this 2019 legislative session as uh, a session of huge consequence, uh, because I think we are going to do a lot of things for the state of Arkansas in this session alone. We thought 2015 was big. Uh, we thought 2017 had a lot of big items in it. 2019 is, is you know, puts those to shame, really, as far as uh, the content of, of what we're pushing. So if we can get those four T's crossed off and, and, and move forward with those, Arkansas is going to be uh, in really, really good shape for the future. All right, sounds uh, sounds good. I know there's, you know, some superfluous stuff out there, like who, which statues are we going to put in the Capitol, yeah. and and I will know, say Johnny that's about Cash time. Yeah. And things of that nature. It's about time to change those out. Those of those were. Uh, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. There's, it's, they've it's been time. There a while. They've been there a long time. They've I've worn out their welcome, uh, if if you will. And uh, I think it's time to put uh, uh, two statues in Statuary Hall up there on Capitol Hill that reflect uh, the state of Arkansas in, in a better fashion than what we have up there. So I think that's a it's a I'm small gonna, thing, I'm but it's a big say, thing. I'm going to say instead of Johnny Cash, I think Sam Walton, yeah, is a much better representation. Of what Wouldn't you love Arkansas. to see that Sam Walton up there in his in his hat? You know, just to, I mean, he, he's he's everything that that Arca- that Arkansas is. And, Absolutely, but it's a good debate. It's something we need to have, and, and so that's that's good that we're having it. All right, so let me bring up something to y'all uh, that I think that we need to give a high five to uh, State Representative Robin Lundstrom of uh, she's what? Where is she from? Elm yeah. Springs or something like that? I don't even know. Sorry. Right. <laughs> anyway, she's a sponsor of House Bill 1439, which uh, is uh, the new bill that would ban abortion after 18 weeks. Okay. Uh, and she faced no resistance yesterday. It cleared the House Committee on Public Health, Welfare, and Labor. She, I love what she did. She just sat down, and she held up the cover of Life magazine in 1965, showing a picture of that age of a baby, and uh, said the bill would make Arkansas's law catch up 
with uh, science. No one spoke against HB 1439. It cleared the committee in a voice vote with no members dissenting. Now it goes to the full house. Cool. And, and, and in New York and Virginia, they applauded uh, in contrast uh, when they passed bills. They did more than applaud yeah, in New York. They, they hooted were celebrating. And, right, uh, when they passed a bill that uh, allowed uh, late-term abortion. And then, of course, we all know that the governor of Virginia uh, was explaining to us about post-birth murder. Uh, and, th- and then they tried to walk that one back. Uh, well, I'll say this. Look, and he was couldn't. A, I, I don't think he could. There was enough ambiguity in his statement uh, that um, he can fill it in with what he wants afterwards. But we can understand it for the meaning that it appeared to have at the time that it was made. So, uh, you know, I, I'll put it that way. You, you want to debate it? We can debate it. You can debate ambiguity. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> you right? really, really can. Right. There's no doubt about right. it. Um, so I will say that yeah. we've got the toughest law on the freedom of speech, and I know you want to talk about that some more. And we've got the toughest law now as a trigger law that if the Supreme Court ever says Roe v. Wade has been overturned, it will be overturned in the state of Arkansas. And, uh, I mean, we're seeing law after law now, Robert, uh, from a very conservative uh, point of view. 100%. And this is what we talked about, Dave, uh, at the opening of your show, and that is, this is a conservative legislature, and it's time... More to do, though. Right, there's much more to do. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, uh, if we can put in quotes uh, for a moment, it's time to get it done, end quote. Meaning, th- they're all along their way. I'm not saying they're not doing things. Right. I'm very proud of what the legislature and the governor... Uh, the legislature has done and the governor has signed. Uh, and, uh, and to go back to the uh, premise... The, the Forum Act, the Free Speech on Campus Act, is fantastic. We are now starting, uh, and we could have, look, just to be clear, Kim Hammer was the one who started this, right? He introduced his version of the Forum Act, which yep. was even more conservative and even more forward-looking. And then, you know, through compromise, we wound up uh, with the Forum Act, with Kim on it, with Bob Ballinger on it. It's a very, very, very good bill. Um, but there's, there's more powder to be had on that if the leftists across academia in this country and in this state continue there. If they don't get the message. If they don't get the message. Do you know that the numbers of leftists in academia are overwhelming? I forget exactly, and and you've spoken to my colleague, Josh Silverstein, who's a Democrat, and he says it's overwhelming. I think it's something like 95% of professors are Democrats, and that the administrators make that look conservative. That's how, right? And... That's back to that. Right. Let's change semantics. Exactly. And, and exactly. Yeah. And there, there. To be clear, there's still more to be done regarding free speech for public employees, for professors. There's, there needs to be uh, reform, and I understand there's interest in reform, uh, so as to enshrine uh, more uh, strongly academic freedom in law. Uh, there's a, a bill that will uh, uh, that is in the works that will guarantee all public employees the, uh, their rights to free speech on their own time. Do you know that from time to time there's some government bureau hack that will will decide to look up the, the Facebook or the Instagram or whatever these 12-year-olds uh, uh, Facebook uh, type um, processes are? Uh, 12-year-olds, meaning that I'm, I'm too old to be on them. Hmm. Uh, I am-
You're not Dave, and I don't know how that works because you're older than I am. Yeah. But, uh, but Facebook I, is actually I, becoming one of those things for old people. For old people, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm in the donut hole, I, I, right? I, I, is that what it know, is? You know, so I, so right. I went, I went right. to this Camp Joshua back last summer that um, Rose Mim put, puts on, and one of the kids there, she's a teenager, I think, said that that um, Facebook is for old people. Old people, yeah. There you go. Well, wh- wh- whatever, whatever uh, social media um, uh, you may have, or any other environment, by, by the way, any other means of communication, you are free to say what you want to see to say. Then, uh, other than, of course, violating the law, and there's very limit, very little uh, things you can say that mere speech constitutes a violation of the law. But you know, you can't make uh, imminent threats of violence, that kind of thing. Right, right, but, right. but putting aside really those just things, fun- fundamental aspects of free speech, we're just basically giving your opinion. Th- that's right, and 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 you know that you're not uh, uh, that. Let, let, me, let, let, me, let me say it this way, because uh, uh, to be perfectly – there are enough government bureau hacks across this country and within this state that believe that they can take your free speech rights away. They can fire you if you're a government employee because of something you say on your, web, on your Facebook page over the weekend on your free time. And they say, well, we don't like that. I spoke to a buddy of mine who, who, who used to be a conservative, I'll say, uh, and, and he said, well, Rob, what would you say uh, if you were a student and some teacher put on his Facebook, how would you feel? And some teacher put on his Facebook, I don't like Jews, you know, because as you guys know and your audience well knows, I'm Jewish. You know, what I, you know what I said to him? I wouldn't like it. And it would be 100% legal. That's the point. It should be. And right. And as you pointed out, Paul, uh, last time we talked about this, which is better, knowing it or not knowing it? Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if there's a restaurant out there that hates Jews, right. wouldn't you like to know it? Indeed. Indeed. So you don't go there. Exactly. Exactly. And the same thing for public employees and, and, and firing them for their views that they express on their private personal time, on their private personal social media. Uh, all that does is push it into hiding and, more importantly, infringes their First Amendment and, of course, the state version thereof uh, rights. You have a right to be a jerk. It's that you, you simple. You should have a right to be a verbal jerk. And exactly. Exactly. So, so, that's, why, that's some, why I bring you on. There you go. There <laughs> so, you go. So, so let me let me ask a couple. A right things. that I fe- that, that that Paul likes to exercise every day. So so the um, so the couple of different questions here. So down at the Capitol, I see government employees coming down here and testifying, right. like lobbying essentially. It's unbelievable. Right. It, but it should be a crime. It should be a crime. But the, the, the thing is not that they're, that they're government employees and, and, and lobbying. Oh, just to be clear, they're, they're lobbying they're, on the dime of the government. Right. I'm that's, sorry. That's I, I got ahead that, of what I, where I knew you were right, going. Right. And so, and so I, I don't have too much trouble with government employees. No, no. They, what do you call I encourage, go, I encourage However, government employees however, on their day off or to take a day off, come down and testify. Right. Do it. It's their, a good thing. On their day off. Right. Right. And so, so <laughs> is there some way we could clarify government employees do indeed have the right to engage in free speech, but it's a crime if they do it on state, state time? And when, as far as when, well, they're, when well, they're lobbying, when they're, I mean, I, I think this is a small subcategory. So I'm not right. sure it's a free speech debate issue. It's a question of what we're it's, paying government. We right. let's it's be a, clear it's here. It's a misuse of government funds. But let's be clear here. This is not some sort of uh, hidden, insidious misuse. The legislature it's has it has been funding government bureaucratic positions of lobbyists. 
It's and they insane. call it like liaison or government relations or um, public relations. Public these relations people will literally come down. Their job is paid and sign on right? to committee agendas or right. on the sign up sheets against or for legislation. Right. They're not not just there for information. They will Absolutely. literally sign on speaking for or against the legislation. Exactly. One of the thing I was thinking about for for free speech, a little bit unrelated or a little bit different. Judges will sometimes get re- put restraining orders on people. Yeah, we see this with uh, Roger Stone right now. And, and so, how is that constitutional? It's barely. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and to be clear, probably not. Uh, the problem is that judges are the ones that decide if it's constitutional. So you go to a conflict of interest for them. Of to course it the is. Case. Of course it is. So judges say, well, you know, you have all sorts of free speech except anything that affects what goes on in a courtroom because gosh knows we're so important and so we can quash that speech. And guess what? Now we have to decide whether the First Amendment is infringed. And on the very order that I did that First Amendment infringing, I as a judge I'm going to conclude that it's not, oddly and enough. That's, that's insane. And so that's part of the that's so where the you're legislature. you're talking about gag orders. Gag orders, gag exactly. Orders, right. And so that's where the legislature should come in and actually discipline judges, and i.e. impeach them when they're trashing the Constitution by saying, you know what, we don't like your right to free speech because that might expose some of our foolishness. Yeah. Well, you have to fight that one out in court as well. Well. Well, or, well, impeachment, if is, impeachment court, is not in court, it's but, in the um, legislature. But it's, a, it's, it's an exceedingly difficult process. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying yeah, that no, it's, it, it it's a real a, conundrum. It right? would be a big hurdle to, to jump. I'll give you an ex- another example uh, where actually I thought that the judges turned out to be right. But the judges had to, the federal judges had to decide whether they were entitled to a pay raise based on something that Congress enacted. And guess who got to decide it? The federal judges. <laughs> now, it turns out they were right. They were entitled to that mm-hmm. pay raise. But nonetheless, they decided their own pay raise. Right. It's a conflict of right. interest, but it doesn't necessarily make the decision wrong. Exactly. I mean, they right. can come out. When they passed that bill about 2004, I mm-hmm. believe it was. Which is, they were going to get a pay raise, and they weren't going to vote it in. It just automatically right, gave them. Right. I remember talking about it on the air. I got a letter from the whole, Demo- all the Democrats on our. Uh, at that point, it was let's see, Lincoln. Uh, it was Snyder. Trying to think who was up in. Can you believe? You think back to those in, people, in, right? In, all in Jonesboro. These uh, who was the pharmacist up there in, uh, in, in one? I, I can't remember his name. But all of them sent me a signed letter saying, well, we didn't vote that in, so don't blame us for getting a raise. I'll never forget. I've got that somewhere. I kept it. Hmm. Well, of course, you know what they could do, much like most of the leftists who want uh, tax increase, they can pay back that money sure. to the government. Sure. sure. You can turn it right I'm back in. Sure. I'm pretty sure they'll accept it. Exactly. Exactly. Or but if nothing else, they can go buy toilet paper and take it to the local school. Or exactly. The- Some sort of charity. Absolutely. But we, we, Dave and Paul, we have a problem across America in, in, in Arkansas because we have a confluence of two detrimental situations. Extreme leftists running academia mm-hmm. coupled with their often belief that they can control the speech of students and faculty uh, and anybody else that traverses that public land. But it's a big power thing. 
That's right. Well, it's, look, it's, with, it's an indoctrination center. You it, send it your is, kids in some respects to be indoctrinated, but you'd send them to be indoctrinated on fact and on method of thinking. And what, what the left has determined is there is no fact, so we don't need to teach that. Yeah, method of fi- thi- no right. facts. What are facts? Come yeah. on, that's, a, right. that's just so, another so opinion. We, and, just, we're, we're, yeah. and then the other thing is method of thinking. Method of thinking meaning logic, order, A before B before C. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the left, that's not method of thinking. Method of thinking is do you have a leftist viewpoint? If so, good. If not, fail. Well, and so, so, so what happens is if, if the left did not have so-called educational institutions, would they be more than 10% of the population? I, I don't know, but they would be less than what they are because they are, they are propagating well, themselves through taxpayer-funded institutions of indoctrination. Right, and so it's, it's incredibly effective. That's how, right. How else do you turn out? So many people to vote for someone like Barack Obama right. when their parents, in a lot of cases, are rather conservative people. They would mm-hmm. never consider voting for someone like Barack Obama, but their children do after they go through college. Mm-hmm. And so how does that happen except that they've been these children were taken away from their parents, not by force, the parents right. Right. voluntarily, it, and they were immersed into a socialist system. That's right. Starting at four or five years old in the public schools, and then they go to college and they finish them off. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back... Interesting thing happened yesterday with federal government. They cut financing to California for their high-speed rail. And now they want California to pay the money back. We'll talk about it here in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We just have a few minutes left. Uh, Joe and Duck are coming up here after the news at the top of the hour. Uh, before we go any further, uh, Paul, thank you for coming in today. Yes, sir. Of course, Robert, thank you for of coming course. in today. You always have some very interesting things to talk about. I appreciate and it. Since we didn't have you on Monday, best to have you on I appreciate Wednesday. it. Yeah, sure, sure. So the Trump administration stepping up its fight with California over the state's struggling high-speed rail project said yesterday that it plans to rescind a $928 million federal grant. The action could imperil the first phase of the project, connecting the major cities of the San Joaquin Valley, which is dependent on federal funding. The uh, Federal Railroad Association, in a letter to the California High-Speed Rail Authority, said it intends to terminate the grant effective March 5th, 5th, saying state officials had failed to comply with the terms of the funding, and Congress appropriated the money in 2010. Among other things, the federal agency said Governor Gavin Newsom's plans to downsize the project represent, quote, a significant retreat from the state's initial vision and commitment and frustrates the purpose for which federal funding was awarded. And then let me read you this statement. The governor said this. Uh, Let's level about this. This is about, uh, it's no coincidence that the administration's threat comes 24 hours after California led 16 states in challenging the president's farcical national emergency. The president even tied the two issues together in a tweet this morning. This is clear political retribution by President Trump, and we won't sit idly by. Now listen to this one. This is California's money, and we are going to fight for it. Hmm. Good for them. Interesting. This is California's money. So so what about the general welfare clause? This sounds like specific state 
benefit that doesn't benefit the rest of the country. This this is seems to violate the general welfare clause. It's called the elastic clause for a reason. <laughs> Have you seen Newsom on television ever? He looks it, nuts. He is so smarmy. Oh, he's right? sanctimonious. Right, he's sanctimonious and smarmy. And, and, and you see that guy and you go, I wouldn't buy a used car from that guy. <laughs> You're you know? right. I mean, and I wouldn't. <laughs> and, and let me just be clear before I get attacked. Right? I'm not talking about his appearance like he's good looking or bad. He's actually, he's actually a remarkably handsome individual. But his demeanor. For a Democrat. For a Democrat? I don't know why Democrats are less good than <laughs> no, Republicans. I'm, I'm just, I don't know if that's true, I'm just, actually. I'm just being dumb. Right? Um, but but um, no, he's, he's very handsome. That's not even what I'm talking about. That's not at all what I'm talking What I'm talking about is if you look at his demeanor, his behavior, the smirks that he gives off, he comes the off. The way he talks. The way he talks. But the, the, the whole, his whole sort of, it, it, how his body moves when he talks. There, it, nothing seems authentic. When it comes out of his mouth, it seems like a giant act. Maybe that's appropriate for California because they have so many actors. Well, they went from Governor Moonbeam to Governor Moonbeam 2.0. Well, uh, you know, Governor Moonbeam was was a bit uh, nutty uh, in a colloquial sense, uh, to say the least, perhaps. Uh, But he at least was authentic in his... That's true. Right? I mean... uh, You knew he was crazy. You knew where he was coming from, right? (laughs) And this guy just comes off... This is what it is. Inauthentic. Yeah. You know, and I read an article recently that said, oh, they've been saying that about women and it's an attack on women. It just dawned on me now. Hey, here's me saying it about a man. He came yeah. off inauthentic. Yeah. Right? Of course, I, I think that that claim about women is uh, that, that that's a sexist cl- That calling a woman candidate who happens to be inauthentic, inauthentic is sexist, is nonsense. But this is the defense of the left, right? Every time you have a criticism of anybody, they pull out some identity politic and they say, whatever your criticism is, you're doing it because that, of that person's identity. I'm not paying attention to that person's identity. I don't identity. care about what they are. They're right. wrong. They're wrong. Exactly. Yeah. They, exactly. They, their facts are wrong. Their conclusions but are that's wrong. The their point. premises are wrong. Right. Since the left doesn't believe in there is facts. no wrong. What, what's There's wrong? There's no right but, but nor so, wrong. So, so you establish facts by it's pure by, power. By, um, exactly. By, by consensus. Well, they do. They do. It's nonsense. Right. Consensus doesn't establish facts. Exactly. If 99% of the population believes that the earth is flat, it doesn't have any bearing on whether exactly. or not the earth is flat. That is 100% correct. And this is the problem with the left. I will remind you, this free speech bill that passed with Republicans and Democrats alike, and the senator chose it as one of a handful of bills that he's going to have a public signing for. And Max Brantley, who I like as a person, by the way, says in his paper, oh my gosh, we're going to have unfettered discourse. Wait, wait, what? The horror. The horror. The horror. You know, the next thing, there are going to be zombies attacking the Capitol. And people might be allowed to, 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 to pass out Bibles. That's right. That That's would right. Be terrible. Or, or some, some leftist propaganda as well, by the way. They'll never do that. Oh, my. That, that, that's, by the way, it's called higher education. <laughs> All right, guys. We're out of time. God Thank bless, you for coming. Friend. We will see you uh, on Monday. Next week, yeah. yeah have Very a great good. weekend. You too, brother. Paul, I'll see you tomorrow I sometime. To. Yes, sir. And uh, Joe and Duck are on their way, so stick around. We'll be back after the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm 100% behind it. I can uh, run a boat in my much. front yard. Yeah, just about for me, too. Backyard. And it's seeping into my garage now, and I don't like that.
I got a Doberman in my backyard. This guy got a canoe back there. He's got to <laughs> pull the, the canoe out in the middle of the backyard by the rope. My buddy, he's preparing for deep water. <laughs> it's a truth. I'm too, serious. It? it is. I mean, it is not. I'm Joe not, go home tonight. He'll be standing in it with a pedal. Yeah. Susan sent me a picture. Said the dog's ready for the rain. Trying to escape. <laughs> trying to escape. You know. Yeah, I knew we were in for trouble. I called uh, Home Depot. They said they were out of gopher wood. <laughs> you know, they had already done that. Yeah, if you're watching on Facebook Live right now, you're seeing Joe doing hand signals. Susan, his wife, is here. but She's she, she is hiding where she will not be seen today on our, our Facebook yeah. Live broadcast. I tried to get her to come over here. She won't yeah. do it. Well, she came here. You thought she would stay in the truck. yes. And she actually came up here to the third floor. Mm-hmm. That's and cool. Dave, he got a parking spot right up at the front of the line today. Did yes, you really? Did. Yeah, front well, row. Oh, did you take one of the legislators' parking? No, 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 no. I'm the first one on Capitol. This right. Oh, okay. Usually yeah. right we had to park eight or ten down the road to park. Yeah. I took another radio station's parking place today. Oh, you but they trouble. but they never use it, so I'm going to use it. Yeah. I used to use it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Dave will go out, Dave, and his car his, his car will be going. Yeah, I've towed it. Where's it at? Have a Colorado boot on it or something? Yeah, you know. Hopefully not. That. I think he'll be all right. They're not here, so no, they're not here. Yeah. Well. Yeah, hey, you may go out and got two flat tires. Yes, yeah, yeah, the two back ones will be flat now. <laughs> the front ones won't. They're yeah, new. they're brand new. That's right. Anybody that was uh, way to work this morning around nine o'clock on sixty seven one sixty seven southbound, and yes, you were you stuck in traffic. Flash. That was me. <laughs> that was Dave. He ran over something, cut some tires down. Yeah. So if you want to call in and complain about it, now's your chance. I'm glad you said that because let me reach in my pocket here, and my thanks to. Uh, Cabot Wrecker Service, and I'm looking for the guy's name. Did he not leave his name on here? No name. Just says, thank you for your business. So to Cabot Wrecker Service, thank you for coming out. I just know this. I wouldn't have wanted to get under my car hmm. and hook up that chain to pull it no. on the back of that uh, Absolutely uh, tow not. truck. And You know, and you think, Dave, you know, you, just like that state trooper got hit up there at Mayflower the other day. They said that guy was running 80 mile an hour when he hit him in the back end, you know. And you're, lay, you, and you're laying there on the hour, ground. 80 miles an hour at, seven, at 67, 167. I know people run that, but you have nowhere to go if something happens, you know. Lock the brakes up, hold for the best. That's why Pinball I, machine off the walls. Well, that's why I keep my, my speed at 78. That's it. That way you ain't running either. Got a chance to break. <laughs> just saying. He can slow down two I'm miles. Just, you Have were, you been up there yet to check the, the northbound lanes? Uh, no, I haven't. And it's great. Yeah. So they got it open now? Yeah. Yeah, they got really? those open. I would I would hope that the southbound would be done here in another week. They had, I don't know why they had all those big squares that they had to go in and remove the concrete from. Again. Apparently they had some type of uh, either unlevel or... The bad sub-base had settled or something, bad concrete, I don't know. Well, yeah. now, ain't they going to do it on, on from there on up? Oh, yeah. They'll start uh, here in a few weeks <coughs> heading up towards uh, was, Ward and, and I was BB thinking, they, you know, because they got the bypass up there. When they start that, 
It you don't have to go it, that far. No, though. I don't. I get off right before they're going to start new stuff. So I won't. Have, although Joe did remind me, what to happen is that the traffic could be backed up into the new stuff, and we'll mm-hmm. be sitting out there waiting to get mm-hmm. off on Tw- the, their the exit. Mm-hmm. 16B. Well, they got one right there at the Art Street overpass when I was coming this way, and it's backed all the way up here to the Capitol on 630, going towards Benton. Right there, this past Art Street. They had two ambulances out there and the state oh police my. and everything. Yeah, some people really tied so it I up. I don't know what's going on, but they had it all messed up. So I'm yeah. going the other way going home. I've been going that way going home from here, but I'm going to go across the other way and go home. Well, I will say that I was intending to come over and see Joe on Friday and get a couple of t- you know tires put on the front because – it was due. Yeah. There's no doubt they were due. You can yeah, you see didn't tear way. up too many bad ones. That's <laughs> no, I got all ball bad, I so. drive the tires like I drive the car. All of it. All of it. You Both. use it all. <laughs> Both That's feet exactly flat right. on the floor. That's exactly right. Absolutely. And then I, I had Joe look at the brakes, and we got 20% left. When I get about the 2%, I'll be coming over to get them fixed. <laughs> Joe, you know what happened? <laughs> no, no. I, I, I haven't done that the last few times. I'm nah, not, I'm not been squeaking. Yeah, it's because you bad. get it serviced and took care of the other day. Yeah, well, I got to go a- in and get. See, when, when RD put the motor in, he drained the oil and put new oil in. Yeah. So I and then the guy didn't reset. Reset the maintenance. The maintenance monitor, monitor. says so it's due, but it's really not. It's It'd not. be doing a couple thousand, I guess. So we're gonna when I get the other two tires put on a couple of weeks for the back, mm-hmm. I'll have him do the oil as well. How then did I'll you wait. manage not cutting all four of them? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it lifted the front end up and the back end jumped up and went <laughs> jumped over. over it. I have all I know is when I hit whatever it was, I heard on the left side I heard poop and it went down. And I knew. I knew cuz the, the light came on, you know that thing that yep. people look at and Thorn what monitor. is that? That's a tire. And by the time I got to it, it was already at 17 pounds <laughs> and it was dropping like this 17, 15. <laughs> 13. I mean, it was going per second. And you know you was fixing to walk. Yeah. No, I didn't walk. I just sat there. I, I put my flashers on. I started slowing down and moving to the right because I wanted to be out of the fast lane. And then I stopped. That's <laughs> all you can do. I couldn't go any further. It was, it was done. It was done. I did, didn't it, get did it get both front towers flat? Or? Uh, left one's cut down. The right one was leaking. Yeah. You, the guy was hooking up the car from Cabot Wrecker, and he goes, you got problems with this right tire, too. I can hear air. <laughs> Are you lucky he didn't get the wheels and all? He said, I can see I can see a hole right there in the tread. So I yeah. said, okay, well, that sounds like I just got a nail. So, I've gotten used to that. So I've had that happen many times. One time, Dave Tracy called me at the airport. She said, hey, I'm starting to go home. That's when she was going home at 12. She said, I got a flat on my right front of my Denali. I said, all right, I'll, I'll come out there and fix it. So I get in the truck and drive out there. And stick, I was going to stick air compressor on, air it up, and it was going to go into the shop, and I was going to fix it. I stuck air compressor, and I stood there, and I stood there, and it didn't air up none. I laid down on the ground and looked on the back side, and it had slid about four inches long. On the inside, right? I said, uh, what did you run over? Oh, I didn't run over nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I get to looking. You know, they deal for they parked the motorcycle. Somebody had knocked one of them over, and it had a sharp piece of metal on it. Oh. And it fit in that hole just perfect. I said, here's what you run over, honey. Well, where did you find that at? Laying underneath the car. 
Well, you know, that's uh, this I know. If you got a nail and it's in, it's there in the tread, they can patch it. If it's in the side, it's on the no. sides. You're getting a new tire. No. That's it. Just, it's all just flat it all works. The tread. All right, let's take a break. Eight two three zero nine six five phone number to talk to these guys if you have uh, a question about your car. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys a question today uh, that I haven't that I've, I've started with Saturday, guys, and that is in the last segment I'll ask you uh, changes that are that will change the way people are driving. Sure. And talk about it a, a little bit. Yeah, if you got a if you got a uh been that Dave had that experience in the wall of death out there. <laughs> if you want to call in, just tell us the worst place you ever had a there flat. We'll take them calls too. Sure. Yep. Yeah, quarter of death. All right, on the 67167 break and more coming your way here from the uh, Capitol, third floor, house side on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, we'll be back here uh, again tomorrow starting at 2 o'clock. Uh, Dr. Terry Yamauchi will be here at 3. You'll want to hear what he has to say because uh, he, of course, uh, heads up infectious diseases, uh, UAMS, and uh, the Children's Hospital. And he'll tell us, he can, he's got all the figures of how many people have had the flu, how many more people they think are going to have the flu, and how tough it has been having the flu. And I, 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 I got a flu shot the first of the year, and I, I still I still got a touch of it. Mel, I got my flu my flu shot, and knock on wood, no problems this year so far. I Maybe got they one got and mixed. still got it, so, all right. But probably wasn't what they gave me the shot for. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the key. It's always a guessing game. Yeah. You know, what's they, coming through. They start looking over in China and the <coughs> Orient to see what's happening over there and hope that they mix the right Chemicals. cocktail yep. up for you. I saw a very interesting article the other day. They think that they have found using some kind of, of um, cells – that they're going to be able to uh, defeat the flu virus completely. Really? Get the shot once, make you immune the rest of your life. Hmm. I'll That's take one. cool. Yeah, so would I. If it would get rid of colds, I'd take two of them. <laughs> you know, Sinus I problem, I'd take three or four. Yeah, there you go. I don't like any kind of shots, but I'll take them if it would get rid of the possibility of even getting the flu. That would be great. Yep. So, you know, Dave, I brought that bottle in here, that little red-looking stuff stem, bottle. Stem cells, that's what they're using. Yeah, okay, go you ahead. Know, yeah. and I, you know, I told you about how good it works. I had a customer come in Monday. Russell called me. He said, Dad, uh, we got a truck up here. It's full of water. What do you think? I said, all you can do is clean it. Clean it and see what happens. If it runs, fine. If it don't, it's going to be expensive. You know, and so he cleaned it all out and cleaned the tank. We poured some stuff in there and put 10 gallons of fuel in it. It lit up, run like a charm. The guy looked at me, and he said, I think you fixed it. I said, no, man, it's going to bite you. May not be today, may not be tomorrow, but it will get you here shortly. I stuck my foot in my mouth. It broke this morning. Oh, no. <laughs> it went down this morning. You've been pouring that down. stuff in it? Yeah. No. It doesn't it have too much water run through it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't run too much water through it. And We discussed where he buys his fuel at. So what you were telling people about this uh, product is that you should use it on a regular basis, especially for diesels. If I had a diesel pickup with a 6.0, 6.4, 6.7 coming to Detroit, I mean, I would put 
that one bottle I brought, you seen that one bottle, it treated 125 gallons. I would probably put some in it every time I fuel through the wintertime. Now, in the summertime, it's not near as bad in the summertime because wintertime you get a whole lot more tank sweating and stuff like that, but I would put some in it. And it keep that problem where the water gets into the engine? Well, there's a difference the in that in, in having a gallon of water in your fuel and having just moisture buildup in yes. there. That stuff's to get rid of the moisture buildup, but if you got if you pumped water in there from a fuel it filling, it, it ain't going to fix that. No, it, it won't cure, cure that. No. But, it, you know, what little water you do get in your tank from condensation, because the fuel's hot when it goes into the tank, and it's going it's to condensate, but it, it will knock that out of there, but and it's worse in the wintertime it is in the summertime. As you know, you get in your car and your window's fogged up on the inside. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's because the outside is colder than the inside, and that's, you know, when it cuts. And, and the tank's the same way. The tank's warmer on the, outs- on the inside than it is on the outside, and it's going to, you know, condensate. But this stuff is good, and it also lubricates your injector. It lubricates your pump, uh, you know. But uh, in the wintertime, if I had a diesel pickup, I'd make sure I run it. All right, so if you're out, if you're listening and you got a diesel, as, as Duck was talking about, What's this stuff called? It's made by Standardine Corporation. The, the name of it is called 911. Okay, now you're probably not going to find this on one of the big box stores. Is that right? I hadn't seen it at none of them, Dave. I really hadn't been in it and looked. I know Bumper to Bumper carries it. I have it. That's all you need to know. That's it. I mean, I, I get mine from Bumper to Bumper. They do carry it, so I know they carry it. Uh, I've I got a shelf in my office that I keep it on. It's about twenty dollars a bottle to buy it, but a bottle treats one hundred and twenty-five gallons. That's not bad, you know. So, uh, and they do make some stuff for the summertime. This is in a red bottle, as you've seen that day. Well, they make some in a gray bottle that's pretty similar to it, which it don't have the capability of knocking the water out of it like this does. But uh, come by, I got plenty of it at the shop. I think I got four cases now. Okay. You so know. people can just stop by Duck's yep. Garage. Stop by and see Ashley and tell her you want airline one drive. Yep. Not airfield drive, air yep. lane drive. You come down at night, I'll probably be there. <laughs> Has things kind of calmed down? Duck secure? No. No? No. Is this is, Are you starting a brand new business, as, as Joe was just saying, duck security? No. <laughs> that looks uh, like I know. He's there protecting his customers' vehicles. I yeah, I know. They got a theft issue there. And I know. Caught one Tuesday night. Not having a lot of luck with the local law enforcement. The jails or are, the judge. There again, it ain't. The jails are full. Jails full. We can't take nobody. So when are all of you people? They write ready? them a ticket for commercial burglary. You ever heard anything like that? I have not. Send and them on their way. I'm just saying that if you if this is going on, every day I'd be calling the mayor. And say, what are you going to do about this? I you know, got, I could. Yeah, I would say to him, you know, I could relocate my business if I wanted to. I've got. Uh, I'm going to the city council meeting. I've got a spot on the city council agenda. Okay. There's about 15 of us going. Good. That's see. That's what it takes. I've been around and talked to everybody. In the day, the worst part of this is they they broke into the city stuff. You know, and and but the problem is, you catch them and they just pat them on the hands. You know, unless it, this is what I've been told, unless it's for murder, rape, or child endangerment, they cannot arrest you. Jail's full. Yeah, Jail's that's, full. A, that's all that the criminal's got to hear, man. And yeah. he's not going to worry about or yeah. she is not going to worry about it. Here a couple of weeks ago, I caught one, and I'm looking in the bed of his truck. And I know some of my stuff's in the bed of that truck. 
but they would not allow me to crawl up in the bed of that truck and check. Why? Because they didn't arrest him, and he wouldn't give them permission to look inside his truck. If they do not arrest him, he has to give them permission to look in the truck. Okay. Or we had to go to the judge at, at 3 o'clock in the morning, wake the judge up to get a, a order so we can search one. Well, that's a good thing. Wake him up. Maybe keep waking you, him up. Maybe you keep waking him Three up. Three or four times a week. He'll mm-hmm. get on somebody's yeah. rear end and make him take care of the jail. So you, you know what? Say, you don't know what I told you. Can you station a car over there at Dust Garage so I can get a good night's sleep tonight? <laughs> you know what I told the cop? I said, <laughs> I said, handcuff him around that light pole out there. Yeah. I'll get him a five-gallon bucket to set on. I'll bring him a McDonald's sandwich in the morning. And after I kick him about three times, I'll give him a sandwich. I'll bring him a sandwich at lunch. After I kick him three or four times, I give him a sandwich. You know, about three or four days, me kicking him every day, maybe he'll figure out, mm, this ain't very good. Been sitting out in the rain and uh, in the elements. But we don't do that anymore, Doc. We're you, we're humane people. We take Whatever. care of our criminals. That ain't no lie. They got more rights than me than you got. So what night is this big meeting going to be? I might want to come watch this. I don't remember what. The, I got it on my calendar. All right. But uh, Send me a text. Tell me when it's going to be. There's about If I can get everybody to show up, there's going to be about 15 show up. And we all got the same problem. It's not, it's not just me getting stole from it's Newcomb Wrecker, it's Sharp Wrecker, it's A to C Body Shop, uh, Center Point Energy, Northern yeah. Oil. You know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you, we don't have enough money to build a new jail. Tell them, find a place to cut. Because the number one thing that a government is supposed to do is what? <coughs> protect protect its people. That's right. You so know what I told them? Cut the other crap. I know the military's got a bunch people. of military tents they don't use no more. Uh-huh. We got room over at the jail. Put him right back in the fence. Little Joe Apio, right? You I want could, some pink underwear? I could probably get him to send his own. I could send him on. All right. Just saying. <laughs> Give him a bologna but, sandwich. You know, but you know, and and you know, I got a street right down by me. It's, it's it goes down to the river. Um, every time I chase them, that's the first place they head because they know they get down there, they're away from me. I can't catch them. Uh-huh. Because the road is bad, rough, but they'll go down through their 70, 80 mile an hour, and I'm not. Yeah, you don't want your. Put, I'm not going to put myself in that situation, but the road has two gates on it. The road has two gates on it, and I'm trying to get the city. And the worst part about it is, one of these gates is down, goes to our water reservoir that we're getting drinking water from. Well, guess what they're doing? They're over there running around on top of the levee, done messing the levee up. Now the levees are eroding. So I, that's one reason we're going to see the council meetings. Because everybody, when they chase them from Nuka Record, they go straight to that gravel road. Mr. Mayor, better be listening to your business owners, I'm just telling you. And on top of that, they stole Clint's truck the other night. Stole another truck. That's three from him. I'm sitting there in the shop, behind the shop, watching. I see this little green ranger come flying by. Well, all at once, I see three Saline County sheriffs, three Benton cop cars, a state trooper and a highway police. They get to the gravel road. They turn their lights off. Don't go. So guess what we found the next day down there? The little green ranger burnt to the ground. Oh, okay. Yeah, they stole it and then took it for joyride and burned it. Yeah. And you know how they, you know how they caught the guy with it? Tell me when we come back. Got to take a break. All right, let's get our break in. Here's the news. All right, we're back on the third floor, a house side of the state capitals. We're wrapping up 
this uh, Wednesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. We're back again tomorrow here at the Capitol starting at 2 o'clock. And uh, we got a pretty good show set up for you tomorrow. And it always gets better because we end up getting a lot of uh, the elected officials to stop by. I want to talk about their bills and talking about the, what happened in the committees and things of that nature. And then the politicians will be on their way home to spend the weekend and then be back on uh, on Monday, and so will we. Uh, Friday, I'll be back in the studio and we'll be doing a, you know, a fun Friday show and just you talking about Hammer movies today? and things. I did see Cal. He was at the uh, signing today as well. Cool. I have his picture on my phone, too. So. Did you smack him on the back of the head for me? No, I did not do that. Cheeky. I try not to do that while I'm in the Capitol, <laughs> you know, get you in trouble. All right. Back with you. Let, let's talk about bumper-to-bumper, uh, bumper-to-bumper bumper to bumper certified service centers. That's where you should take your car. It's where I had my car towed to today, $136 yeah. out of my pocket. I wish I could have helped you with that. Well, that's all right. I'll get my money back. I'll send, yeah. I got the receipt in my pocket to send to my yeah. insurance company, and they'll decide when they want to pay me. Yeah, you just can't get there quick enough like that. The state police going to rotation and going to send out who's yeah, on it. Yeah, they're so. going to send. Most especially when you're up there where they was at. I mean, yeah. they're, they they ain't going to let it sit there very long. They're going to get yeah. it moved. Well, the guy, the road guy, said that he was surprised they didn't bring a car out and put blue lights back of me. But probably twenty minutes. Close. Yeah, twenty minutes. I mean, that's not bad. No, that's pretty good time. Twenty I liked, minutes. I liked how the tow truck did it. They were people were just fighting to get over. And mm-hmm. so he came, he got out, and he sat right in the middle of the two lanes so they couldn't come around him from either mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. And uh, came down, yep. got in front of me, and backed up and got ready to get me out of there. Yeah, that probably ain't his first time out doing that. No. no. Get him slowed no. down. And- he said they had a couple of months ago done a, a really bad uh, wreck out there, and, and he said that some guy had, had his, he, he said, you turned on your flashers immediately. I said, yeah. I want people to see me. He says, well, we had one that did that, and he, he just stopped really? in the fast lane. Wow. And didn't turn on his, his flashers, and car came down the road, probably doing 70, hit him right in the rear end. Nobody got killed, luckily. Yeah, that, you know, that that's amazing. What's, as Joe knows, these cars nowadays are made to crumple. Yep. They're They'll made to absorb a bunch of the impact. Like an aluminum can. Yeah, but you're still, I'm just telling you. Oh, yeah. You know, physics still take over inside the car. You, you oh, still absolutely. get slung around in there like a rag doll. Yeah, that's exactly right. You get banged up yep. doing that stuff. Get hurt, serious. And it hurts hitting that. I know you say, but there's the inflatable bag. Yeah, and it feels like a rock when you hit it. It starts burning. Yeah, not good. It's yep. not good. So uh, the reason we're bringing this up, we want to talk a little to you about like your tires go bad or and you need some tires. I know Joe was able to find two for my car, matter of just moments. And uh, I was, what, half hour? Yeah, in something and out. like that, yeah. Yeah, pretty fast. It was yeah. not, not didn't take a long time. Who are the people that you use? It was three uh, letters or something. ATD. ATD? Yeah. Okay, they carry all the major brands and everything? Yes, they do. Okay. Yeah, there's actually, there's four tire warehouses in this town. You got... ATD, TCI, Gateway, and Looney's. Looney's, yep. pretty, you know. And uh, they all they all four, you know, if you're looking for something, most of the time you can find it from one of them four, and they're all local, so it only takes and about. And you can, you can have them pretty quick. 15 to 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the most to go pick them up. It was amazing how fast it was. Yeah. You sent, sent out your, what is it, your grandson? Yep, right. You uh, did Blaine. a good job. Yeah. 
I'm going to tell a story on Joe. Mm-mm. He sent Blaine outside to get numbers off of a tire. Mm-hmm. And he came back and he says, what brand was it? <laughs> and Blaine just kind of looked at him. And I figured he asked you ask him for something else, too. And I want to know what ply. Yeah, plies. and he looked at him and he says, go out and get the name and the plan. And he said, well, you didn't ask me. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're getting uh, you're getting the info off tire, and you get all of it. So. Yeah, I thought. you got to have it all so you know what to get. I got, I got a kick out of that's well, how you learn, man. When you make that call, the guy's going to say, is that they're going to match the ones I already have on there if they're only doing two? You're going to say, well, the price to match them is this, and if you want a cheaper tire, it's this. If you want a more expensive tire, it's this. So you need all the information. Makes it easier for well, that's like, that phone call. Speaking of, of, of you know, the ply on the tire, I got a fire truck. belong one of the volunteer fire departments, and they put new tires on it. They can't drive it. When they fill it up with water, it's like a wet noodle going down the road. Well, they brought it to me, and I, I give it to Ed and told Ed, and I said, check the springs, make sure they ain't got a bad spring or, you know, something wore out on it, kingpins. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got some what they call uh, ride pads on the back springs. They're about half inch thick. Well, they was gone. So we put them on, and, and I told Ed, I said, you think that's going to create a problem? No. And so they come over and took the hydrant, filled it up with water. Well, Ed went down the road about three or four minutes. He was back at the shop. So man, that's a quick test drive. He said, you can't drive it down the road. <laughs> he said, it's like a wet noodle driving. Yeah. Come find out they'd put new tars on the rear of it. And it's supposed to have 16-ply sidewall tars. Uh-oh. It had five-ply sidewall tars. Yeah. That's a cheap just, tire, and man. And it just rode. Yeah. And that far truck, you know, when you get it loaded with water, it, it, it weighs something like 60,000 pounds on four rear tires. So they had another truck that didn't, that didn't have near as much water in it. So they brought that truck over, and I took I swapped the tires around. Ed went and drove it, come back. He said, all right, they can take it home now. Yeah, they'll do it. Just matter, you know, they just somebody just didn't pay good enough attention when they bought the new tires. They'd been on there like a month. All right. Well, John's on the line. John, how are you? You got a question oh, for Joe good. and Duck. Go ahead and ask him your question. Hey, John. Yeah. Uh, Duck, I've got a 79 or 89 Chevy pickup, and I was loading a load of wood on it yesterday, and uh, my blinkers went out. And uh, I went ahead and thinking I knew what I was doing, I went ahead and picked up a flasher and placed a flasher on it, and that wasn't it. And it's kind of odd that it all go out. It didn't work, huh? Does let me ask you a question? Does it have the turn signal switch on top of the steering column, or is it one down on the bottom? The four way switch. Side, it's on the left side. No, I'm talking about your four way button. When you turn your four ways on, emergency uh-huh. flash. Yeah, emergency flash. Is it on top of the steering column or on the bottom of the steering column? It's on top of the steering column, and I I got it to work. It made everything flash. It's on reach top up, of the steering column. Reach up there and push it up and down about ten times and see if that don't carry your problem. Oh, okay. I've been yeah, scratching I, I, my head. It's got to be something simple like a fuse or something, but I couldn't figure it out. This probably got trash in it. It's just brought contact. Just reach well, up there and turn it off and on about 10 times. If it don't, give me a call and we'll get you straightened out. We'll help you figure it out. Okay. Well, I've I've got a car up at your garage right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was just hoping that uh, <laughs> the uh, security problem, I heard that, and that made me wonder. Now I'm there on, every so. night. I'm, I'm well, chasing good. them every night. Man, I, You're talking I, to the security guard right now. <laughs> well, yeah, well. <laughs> the, the joke is around there, when, about 4.30 in the afternoon, they all ask me, what time do you start the second shift around this yeah. joint? That's the joke <laughs> well, around there. Every, I hear that every afternoon. 
What time does second shift yeah. start tonight? Six thirty, seven thirty, eight thirty, and I tell them I don't know. I, whenever I feel like getting them going to the shop, but uh, I've got them slowed down quite a bit. It's just just got to get the rest of them caught now. You just can't get the local police to deal with them. Yeah, yeah you get the well, I, I, and I, used, I used to live. I used to live out there, but I don't live out there anymore. But I used to live out there. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I've, I've got it now where uh, I'm. We're all having problem, but we've slowed it down quite a bit. I've chased them. Newcomb Records chased them. Sharps chased them. A to Z body shops chased them. We've all we're keeping them in gear. We're keeping them in between us. We're running them from one place to the next. Well, well but just yeah, reach out there. Just reach out there and run that button up and down about ten times and see if that don't cure your problem. Okay, I'll do it. All right, thank all right, you, sir. Thanks for the call. Thank you very much, thank you, John. Bye bye. All right, bye bye now. Eight two three zero nine six five. If you had a question, that's the number to call. Eight two three zero nine six five. I was going to talk about bumper to bumper. Let's do that when we come back from the break. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, live from the state capitol, third floor, house side. We'll be back in a moment. All right, let's get back to the phones. Charles is there. Hey, Charles, how are you? Hey, Charles. All right, how are y'all? We're doing good. good. What's your question? I have a 2014 Volkswagen Passat diesel, and um, I've had one of the fuel injectors replaced uh, about a year ago under warranty right now i've got 113,000 miles on the car um it's kind of been sputtering a little bit in the morning uh and then once the car warms up it seems to run fine uh today however the uh check engine light came on um have taken it to the dealer and they've told me that uh another one of the injectors needs to be replaced uh which fortunately because of the tdi recall uh, still yeah. covered under the warranty. Um, yep. But my question is, uh, I'll have two, at least two uh, injectors that are still uh, the original injectors. Uh, would a product at this point in the life of the car at 113,000 miles, would a product like Seafoam or something like that be beneficial or would it potentially cause more harm than good? Well, what I would suggest, buy some stuff, that we was talking about a while ago. It's called nine one one. It has lubrication in it. It will cut okay. the water. It will cut the trash. It will. It will basically clean the injector up, which will make it run a whole lot better and make it last a whole lot longer. Okay. And like I say, All you right. can get it any any bumper to bumper store should have it. It's in a red bottle. It treats a hundred and twenty five gallons. So don't pour the whole bottle in at one time. Right. You know, put you about two or three ounces in it and fill it up with fuel. And okay. you know, and just do it for you know. I, I tell people in the wintertime when you put fuel in it. Put some in it, you know. If it ain't nothing but a couple of ounces, it will help a whole bunch. Okay, I would it's talk to the manufacturer. Yes, sir. I'd talk to the okay. manufacturer too when you take it back in yep. to warranty that injector. Ask uh, about the other two to see if you can talk them into doing it while it's there. Yeah, see if you can get them to do all four of them. Yep. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. But the nine one, even at the, even if you get the new ones in the nine one one, it's it's some grand stuff. I mean, I've I've experimented with it because I don't. I don't push it unless I've looked at it, and I've tried it on water in a jug, and it cleans the water up out of fuel. So, but it also has lubrication. It also has it has an octane booster to boost right. the octane of the diesel fuel up. But and the biggest thing is it's got a cleaner cleaner solution in it that will clean the tips of the injectors up. All right, sounds like you sound like you're on your way. Thanks, Charles. Appreciate Thank you. your call. Thank you. 
Yeah, sitting here on the third floor of the uh, Capitol on the House side, guys, let's talk a little bit about Bumper to Bumper. You've mentioned them a couple of times uh, today, Doc, about where to pick 911 up. Why Bumper to Bumper? Yeah, we are Bumper to Bumper certified service centers. And, uh, you know, the reason we are is because we want to deal with uh, quality parts and, and prices and service, and we get that from Bumper to Bumper. They got the best parts, the best price, and the best service, don't they, Doug? Yeah, and, and, and Joe, not on top of that, they're the best people. Yeah, good folks. I they mean, really you are. know, they go out of their way, Dave. As you know, Dave, yep. you know, you've been around enough folks, to see. Yeah. You know, you got Jerry and James and Chris and, and Kenneth and, you know, Mr. Fletcher and, and all them people. They, you know, if you got a problem, you can pick the phone up, or I can, or Joe can, or anybody can pick it up and say, hey, look, I got a problem. They'll figure some way out to help us. And they're just good people. Plus, you go over to the warehouse, and how, how long did it take us to walk through the warehouse that night, Joe? Oh, it was that tour. It was a short one. I think it was an hour anyway. Yeah, I mean, we walked, and we didn't see, but you know, just a, a little bit of it. But they have any kind of part. They have Motocraft, Delco. They have Motocraft, motocraft batteries, gates. They have standard, standard motor products. You know, even we had to say something about standard. You know, even though he ain't been, he ain't been here in a while with us, has he? No, we get him up here again. Talking about Carter? Yeah. yeah, Carter. Yeah, he ain't showed up in a while, so yeah, we, we'll we'll rattle his chain a little bit and get him back. But you know, it's just uh, and and then Dave, then you know what they do in June fourth. Oh yeah, when it comes time for the car show, and this year it's on June first. Yep. Yeah, first Saturday in June. You they, know, they take care of all of that and help us, and we're just there to kind of help it along. But you know, as far as uh getting everything set up and doing it bumper to bumper folks do that and they do it all in the name of uh ronald mcdonald house yes so. what what have you heard about the big uh, red feet guys you might stop I hadn't, by i hadn't I'm, I'm gonna try to go by there one day this next week and stop in and see janet this see you know if she's come up with anything they she told me last year you had to do it a year in advance and i last year i asked her to to put us down so hopefully we'll get him we get Joe to dress up, Jay. But I mean, yeah, well, we can do that. I, I but, ain't got feet big enough. But I'm just saying, if you can't get Ronald, couldn't you get like the hamburger or somebody like that? We can make Joe the hamburger. <laughs> better than that, we'll make James the hamburger. That, that'd be even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. We could, we could do both of them. But they're good people. Funny. And Ronald McDonald's, they, they need all the help that they can get. They're good people, too. As you know, Dave, you know they take care of people over there and don't ever ask nothing yes, back for do. it. they do. They do your laundry. They'll do all kinds of stuff they'll, for They'll you. feed you. They'll put you up. They'll put you in rooms. It's got nice beds in it. they got places for your kid to go play. You know, they're just they're super nice, excellent people. And know that uh, this year when you come out, you can make a donation uh, to the Ronald McDonald House. We'll have an area for you to give your money for that. It's not necessary, nope. but we would appreciate if you would so that we can get more money over to them so they can help out more people. And, and like we've always said, me and Joe, all, all these years, every dollar we raise, we take nothing out of it. Yeah, that's the key for everybody to know is that Bumper to Bumper and all of the certified service centers, they make nothing off of the, uh, the car show. Every penny we raise through the registration of the vehicles through the donations or anything it goes straight to the ronald mcdonald house all right and think about this uh did you guys go to the big meeting of all the uh, yeah joe did how did it go went good there was uh, probably 120 people there 
for 120 different shows. That's what's impressive uh, the, about uh, that. They're going to have one that's, uh, it, I think it was at uh, Centerville. They're going to have a, uh, on Saturday, they're going to uh, do a drag race special thing, and then on Sunday, they're having a car show. But it's not really a conflict with us because ours is on Saturday. So yeah. that was the only one that we had a conflict, and that's what it's all about. So you're not... Overlapping like, one another. That's it. You're not having four car shows couple, on the same day in the same area because them. because if you do that, it it it, it lowers your your car counts. What it does. So. And mm-hmm. I got custom advertisement on again this year. They're going to put it on all their billboards around the state, uh, free of charge. You know, uh, Billy out there does that out of kindness of his heart. Yeah, he's right off of uh, Highway 30 there, right yeah, before right. you get to Ashley's. Yep, isn't he's it? right behind Ashley Furniture, and and he. He gives us a billboard truck and you know and to put up out there. And then plus, he you know he said I'll as soon as you get ready, you tell me and I'll run it the last you know the month before. And I don't know what that would cost, but I'm sure it had to be expensive. It's you know. expensive. It's never. But he's, hel- he's helping the Ronald McDonald House. Yes, yes, too, yeah. And and we've done some good things for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they do a lot of great things for, for kids. People. Yep. And parents. Yeah, we should have a meeting on that day, probably in the next. Uh, I'm going to say three or four weeks where okay. we all get together and hash out. There's a couple of things we've been bannering around, and I kind of brought it up at the car show meeting, Duck and uh, Dave, and I run it past you guys, see what you think. Uh, while we're at the car show, we might do a raffle, and uh, the bumper-to-bumper guys may donate a toolbox or something like that. We'll right. raffle it off. Proceeds go to Ronald McDonald House. So if you come in, you buy your $2 raffle ticket, whatever – it accumulates that money goes to Ronald McDonald. Yeah. The guys are going to talk about it and see what they can come up with, but I just thought it might be a pretty good thing to do. That'll work. Generates more revenue. For I think that yep. would work. You know, and you all know, you know, different businesses and stuff. You might be able to get something from them as well. We may have three or four raffles going. Yeah, yep. that'd be very cool. Yep. You know, and, and as Joe said, Jay, we've been tweaking this thing now for. Ten, ten years, years. yeah. <laughs> it's you know, been ten, ten years. We we tweak it every year. Jerry Rocher last year at the end of the show, he walked by me and he said, "Hey, we need to tweak some of these." We weren't even left building yet, and he had notes out. <laughs> yeah, he already yeah. had his notes drug out. You know, <laughs> we need to tweak some of these. We're trying to get the, the ground cleaned back up. And but I have talked to a couple of food truck guys down there by me, Joe. That mm-hmm. uh, they ain't give me a commitment that they'll be there, but they they're pretty well you know on with it. Uh, the guy who makes coffee he's got a coffee trailer and he all kind of these i don't i don't drink coffee so i don't know as they call them foo-foo drinks he's i've i've talked to him and hopefully i'll Flavored get coffee. him on yeah 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 he makes all kind of he biggest thing he makes hot chocolate my wife was happy about that so well if you're if you're interested in having a food truck out at the site on june 1st i'm sure you can get a hold of joe or get a hold of duck at joe's garage or duck's garage yep. and They'll talk to you about it. We'd like to have you. We we draw, I would say, somewhere in two, 3,000 people. I don't know how many was there last year. There's a lot of people there. There was 168 cars last year. Yeah. If you'd figure two person per car, you can do the math on that. That's 300 and something people. And, Plus and, all the walk-in. That's just, we had yeah, that's what I'm saying. Walk-in. That's yeah. just the you people know. that are there showing their car. That's not the people who are there to look at the cars you're showing. That's right. Yeah, I walked out in the parking lot last year, and it was full. Plus, there's probably the vendors that are there, plus uh, the bumper-to-bumper <coughs> folks and all of the the uh, CSCs that are going to be. There will be 10 of them. Yep. There's always three or four people with each CSC. So, you can, you know, I'm, I'm going to say probably 2,000 anyway. Yeah, yeah. We 
the, the year that it blew me away was the year that we had all the rain up to the moment that we opened. And it quit. And then all those, all those people showed up. Yep. Yep. There was a ton of people there. But, I mean, a but, lot. Of but people. Dave, it wasn't near like it was the first day, man. The, the first car show. <laughs> oh, I remember. I was there. Yeah. I'm laying in the bed, looking up at the scene. I'm saying, "Please, Lord, let them show up." <laughs> Five yeah. o'clock in the morning, thinking there they were. <laughs> Is anybody going to be there? We're going to stand there, look at each other, and look goofy, you know? <laughs> they were and there. We, did. I, I, we had what 68 cars the first. Seemed one. like yeah. it was 67, right yeah. at 70 cars yeah. we had, and you know. That's six, I can that still, was it the 626 that won that year? The first uh, year? Cutlass. Yeah, the uh, Cutlass, yeah. Yeah, the gentleman that built it with his dad, and his dad passed away. Yep, and he finished it, and yeah. he's the one who won it. It yeah. was that's a, that's a great story in and of itself. Well, guys, we're out of time. Thank I appreciate you, you coming out to the Capitol. Try to go home, don't have no flats. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try. <laughs> but I'll be on the good side of the road this time. Yep. All right, that's it for the Dave Ellswick Show today. We'll be back with you again tomorrow at 2 o'clock, live from the Capitol, as we keep you up to date on what's going on with your politicians. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.